Welcome to the 100th episode of Knives Monroe versus the podcast. I'm your host, Knives Monroe. We're we're live. It's Saturday night. How you guys doing? Hopefully you're doing well. Um, I'm very excited to do this. I've been thinking for a minute, what could I do to make tonight special? And back in the day when Facebook Live started, I would go into the Frugal Filmmaking group page and I would go live and I would kind of do these clinics for 90 minutes, an hour. And some of them you can find on YouTube, but I met a lot of cool people doing that. That's how I met friend of the show, Dave Knopp. And that's how I met a lot of fun internet friends who I've yet to meet IRL as well. And so it was really cool to do that. And I thought the best way to kind of commemorate my background, my roots, my history is to come on and do another one of those clinics. I'm not saying it's going to be the greatest thing ever, but it's going to happen. It's real. And I want you guys to be a part of it. So it's going to be fun. If you guys want to hop on, DM me. And I would love for you to, to join what's going on. Um, sorry, that was a weird thing. But yeah, just let me know what you guys want to do. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll get you on here too if, uh, if that's kind of... Let's see. What's up, Marlon? It's good to see you, man. Um, I'm happy you're here. This means uh, the world. This means the world to me. So I'm live via StreamYard and friend of the show, Brian Kern and Matt Musselwhite um, kind of put this website on the map. I know it was probably Trent Knox's idea. Trent might join us later if he's got nothing better to do. Um, it'd be cool if he, if he is here. And for the first time ever, episode 100, I'm live on Twitch. I'm live on Periscope. I'm live on YouTube and I'm live on Facebook and I, I hope the stream's pretty healthy. Never done this before. So this is the first time ever and this is cool. I'm super stoked. So um, let's see where to begin. I don't have any talking points, so we're just going to we're just going to have some fun. Um, if you guys have any questions, let me know below and uh, we'll riff on that for sure. But earlier today, I was watching uh, the newest Spike Lee joint called The Five Bloods. And I'm so embarrassed that I have to say this, but I had to stop it. And I had like 20 minutes left in the movie. It's a long one. It's like 240 or something. Two hours and 40 minutes. What's up, Nora? Thanks for stopping by. Um, followed me since YouTube. I'm still on YouTube. <laughs> but we're just old timers. So I, I feel you. Um, but it's, you know, hopefully you're, you're safe. Uh, I wonder if you're still in Chicago. My son's in Chicago right now. So I hope you're safe and, and thanks for stopping by. Even if it's just for a brief moment, you've always been real cool to me. And, uh, man, we go back, like we go way back. So thanks. Thanks for saying, Hey man, that, that means a lot. Um, but the five bloods, I went into it blind, didn't see a trailer. I don't even know if there is a trailer for it, but that movie fucks. Spike Lee does not play around. Um, that is awesome. That movie is great. I'm 20 minutes away from it. Um, is it is it Leroy? God, what's his last name? I never remember his last name. Um, but the lead the lead actor in this movie, who's been in so many uh, Spike Lee joints, is this is like a career best for him. 
and I need to finish this movie. So when this when this stream is over, this was very important to me, episode 100. But when it's over, um, I'm definitely going to finish that movie. What's up, Will? Long time no see, man. The family looks healthy in your default picture. Um, it's good to see you, buddy. Gosh, last time I saw you, um, and trust me, we all have our bittersweet battle scars. Last time I saw you was at the premiere of the blood tapes. And I saw you um, have to eat a whole entire plate and entree and appetizer of shit. And um, you earned my respect, not that you needed to, but for the 10th time that night, man, that was a legendary night. And it was fun. And I was really engrossed in that film. I never got to finish it. But I just saw you there and, you know, um, you held your own. And you know what I'm talking about. I have so much respect. Yo, yo, yo. Okay. Sorry about that. I know what it is. It's Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Um, will, just wanted to say, follow up on that. Um, I have a lot of love for you, man. So thanks for coming on. And it means a lot. And uh, never let the filmmaking spirit die. And I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Marlon, favorite zombie film? I probably have to say... Dude, Brent, what's up? Let me know if you want to come on live. Let me know. We'll make it happen. I'll send you a link and we'll make it work. Uh, it's good to see you, man. Uh, I love your tweets. More importantly, I love the the, the tweets that you like because then I get to see them and I'm like, oh, I get to look inside this guy's brain. Favorite zombie film, Shaun of the Dead. It's cliche. It's easy. But there's probably no greater Shaun of the Dead. There's probably there's no greater zombie movie. There's no greater... Um, there's more there's no more emotional zombie movie than Shaun of the Dead. You know, spoiler alerts, but where Shaun has to shoot his own mother, most zombie films never really aspire to that. Um and I was one of those guys that that had to that had to walk out of Walking Dead. It was just too gnarly and torture porny for me. And that's not what zombie stuff is about. Not to me. Sean, thanks for the one hundredth man. That means a lot. Uh, truth be told, I should have hit this benchmark months ago. But Corona happened, and I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to talk. I just I just didn't think I was important, and any, anybody cared what I had to say. I stopped listening to podcasts during that time in general. But here we are. It's June 13th, and I'm happy to finally hit this benchmark. It's so cool. Brent, if you're still here, I love you. I love everything that you do. Thanks for your words, bro. It means a lot coming from you. Keep up the awesome work. Train to Busan. Oh, is that a zombie movie? Is that a zombie movie? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I don't believe you. As a matter of fact, I don't believe you, Pete. I don't believe you. That's from the Goofy movie. I know your name's Will. Okay. Um, 
let's see gonna finish the ufc fight and i'm down to come on cool um dm me on facebook or twitter or whatever and i'll send you a link and it, it'll be fun to have you on man even if it's just for a bit but i'd appreciate that and we can catch up and that would be super badass so do it do it do it and i'll send you a link um train of busan no i i haven't i haven't seen it i haven't seen it um i've heard good things i know people who say it's like their favorite movie so it's got to be good i just never knew if it was a zombie film i didn't know that i'm gonna have to fact check that i believe you but i, I didn't know that um cool got homeboy dming me I'm gonna check that out right now right now gonna check it out right now if you guys want to come live and say what's up on the show, I would appreciate it. And uh, just come say what's up. It means a lot. This is this is really cool, man. Live on Periscope, live on all the things. Never done this before. Sending my boy Brent a link to the stream. This is badass. I could do this all day. I could do this all fucking day. Yeah, my sound went out. Uh, it has something to do with like my setup, you know? Um, but it's back and we're good. It's crazy craziness. So what have you guys been up to? I ain't trying to be bougie and like humble brag or anything, but Claire and I just came back from a couple's massage and, uh, I'm still a little like blissed out. I'm all zenned out from that. It was a good time. And so I feel a little relaxed and it was like the perfect way to end these this week you know because i've been off of work this week and it's been fantastic mm. that I, I mean it's good to be out of work man you know um because i'm the type of person like i keep going till the rails come off i go until i can't go anymore and i burn out and then post burnout when you keep going, like everything around you starts falling apart, like the walls come down and it shows in your work. And then all of a sudden you're late to that one meeting. And even though for years in a row, you were never late to that one meeting, this one meeting ruins it all. And I think it was, who was it? I think it was, oh my God, it's my friend Brent. Let's add him to the stream. Brent, Yo. how you doing? Hey, how's it Looking going? Can good, my man. Oh, thank you. I can you, hear you. You look yeah. great. Sound great. Perfect. Yeah, man. Perfect. Yeah, you're getting the iPhone version of Brent tonight. You know what? It's all about the iPhone at the end of the day, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. You know, that's how we met in the first place. I got to ask you, which iPhone do you have? Did you upgrade? Uh, no, I still have the 10, bro. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with the 10. The 10 was kind of perfect. Dude, yeah, the 10 is perfect because yeah. I've had the battery replaced and the screen replaced. And it's a per totally perfect phone. Oh, fuck yeah. Man, <sighs> you got it all figured out. You're looking good, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I'm kind, I, um... of, I'm kind of obsessive. Like, I, I, I read all your tweets. Like, oh, I went, really? Uh, during, like, the past three months, I've unfollowed and blocked uh, 200 people. And, and I keep you uh, around because I like I love what you have to say. You're super smart. You're intelligent. But also your feels, man. Like, I feel like emotionally your IQ is like, bing like one of the highest on my timeline and so I, I love your tweets and you know how's the social distancing and all that like lately how's that been for you 
Well, my birthday was June 2nd, so we... Happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I turned 29, so I'm not quite in the 30s yet, but I'm getting up there. Such a baby. Um, (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Um, So we went... We went downtown for a little bit, but all the protests and stuff were happening, so they closed downtown. Yeah. Um, so I really haven't done too much exciting, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, we went to the domain last night and had a couple of drinks. Well, my friends did. Um, I did. I don't drink anymore, so it's one of those things where um, I went and smoked hookah, and then we hung out for a little bit, and then we came back at like twelve thirty. So. It's one of those things where I don't stay out as much as I used to. That's probably for the better. And if you ever want to just go buck wild, you still can. Yeah, I mean, I'm 11 months sober. So it's one of those things where I quit. That's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, got to the point at work where uh, I was missing a lot of it. And I was like, well, shit, I don't want to lose my job. So <laughs> yeah. I went on leave last year and uh, yeah, I've been completely sober from everything uh, for about 11 months now. Good for you, man. That's real big. I'm proud of you. That's big, man. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I mean, especially whenever you know me. <laughs> yeah. You're crazy, man. I'm a very, uh, I'm a very social person, especially whenever I have a couple of drinks that socially lubricate myself. So right. uh, you've, tri- you've tried everything. <laughs> Huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's funny you say that about my tweets because if you look at the timestamps on my tweets, you can always tell whenever I'm at work and whenever I actually have time to coherently come up with tweets. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You, <laughs> because you if it's guys that have it mastered, man, like I, I can't go all in on Twitter. Like I can't expose everything about myself because I'll get chewed up and it fucks with me. Well, see, Twitter's my Twitter's my shit because Facebook's corrupt. Let's just leave Facebook out of the whole situation. Instagram's fake as fuck, and I've been on Twitter for over ten years, so it's like it's my home. I feel comfortable there. Yeah, I get that, man. How's Apple? Like you've been there for a minute now. Yeah, four years, bro. Oh, dude, them perks. Mm-hmm. Those are some good. Yes. Perks. You a yes, life? You yes. a lifer, man? Because that's a good place to chill. Well, see, here's the thing. So, you know, you and I have always chit-chatted back and forth about when I'm actually going to do what I actually want to do. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And uh, I'm still in continuity. So, like, I'm stuck at where I'm at. But um, basically, I'm trying to move over to, like, a specialty team that only takes a certain type of call. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about, like, being stressed out about customers. After I get over. Yeah. <laughs> um, so once I do that, basically I'm going to create a website and then once I get my website created, then I'll be able to have a place for my own content to live. And then once I get back into like the creative writing space, I'm going to be able to do what I actually want to do, even if I'm not making money off of it, because like, that's just hard to make money off of. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's it, ha- it hasn't been easier though. Like now the gatekeepers are kind of disappearing, right? There's so many different models, but like for something with that you want to do, you have big ambitions. Like you would definitely need it's a collaboration, right? Like you need mm-hmm. the resources, you need the people, the team, the people that right. are there to commit to what you want to do. And so it takes time, man. It takes time. But all of our favorite filmmakers, they're like what, like in their forties and fifties when they make their masterpieces. 
Right, exactly. Plus, I'm still living life. So it's one of those things where the, the best thing you can do is just gain more stories. So you have more to pick from, you know, um, there's a lot of stuff out there. Whenever I think about writing a script or a treatment or something like that, where I'm just like, well, shit, like, I, I, I wouldn't have never thought of this if I were, you know, two or three years ago, but now I'm in a totally different situation. So I understand, like how this character would feel. Whereas yeah. before I would just write that off nonchalantly and say something shallow. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Or say something from that, you know, I don't want to say plagiarizing, but is inspired by, you know, like a hero or something. And so you're kind of regurgitating what you've, what you've heard, you know, you don't have experience behind it. That was me in the beginning, yeah. man. You know, I would just, I, I was trying to be Tarantino or somebody, you know, right. I yeah. My voice yet. That came from my history and experience. Exactly. And see, that's my thing is like, I've always struggled with allowing my ego to like shine. I'm always one of those people that's very reserved whenever I write and I'm very calculated with the way that I write. So mm. it's very interesting whenever I actually do write something. Uh, like, cause I feel like my characters always sound like the same undertones and stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool, man. Do you have any, uh, I mean, I hate to put you on the spot, but like, I would love to, to see any scripts that you've written, man. Like if you want to send them my way, just for, just for the literature, I would so, love to laugh. So yes, I do. And it's the same one <laughs> that we were <laughs> talking about. I didn't get to read it though. Yeah, I, I, I never sent it to you. Um, I have it on my computer here. Hold on one second. I can send it to you right now. You have final draft? Of course. Oh, no. I'll send it to you as a PDF. Even better. Hold on. Yeah, you don't want me to tweak it. I'll call myself out. Call myself out. Okay. I'll send it to you. Cool, man. Does anybody have any questions for us while I'm doing this? So we don't have that here. My friend Marlon's about to head up. He said he had a a fan film in his production group. He was going to finish this year, but COVID and the protest riots put things on hold indefinitely hoping to finish sometime this year otherwise would need to try next year man we i remember like content that i was making in january 2020 everybody was so hyped we were so ready for this to be the best decade new decade new me and all that and then pandemic it's been nuts dude so let me just tell you how everything happened at work so yeah. uh we were at work and like of course, China has such a huge Apple footprint. Yes. And we were just like getting these emails, but we didn't really understand because like it was half a world away. So we were like, okay, what whatever's going on in China is going on over there. So like it starts moving, you know, west <laughs> to like Europe and then like Seattle gets it and we come in and and they're like, so you guys can work from home if you want. This is on a Monday. Okay? Mm. Mm-hmm. and I, I'm off Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So I come in to work on Thursday, and they're like, okay, so everyone's working from home. <laughs> Just like that. And that's how fast it was. It was Monday. You can work from home if you want. Thursday, well, I came in to an email saying, you're working from home. <laughs> so so people, are, you, are you still working from home? Yeah. So um, I actually moved to apartment, so I live up north now. But, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. We are uh, we are working remotely. Yes, that's crazy. Let's do you see. dig it? I mean, do you prefer it? 
Um, at first I hated it. Um, but now I don't have to like get up. <laughs> I don't have to like wake up and you know me, I'm not like an early morning person. So it's yeah. one of those things where like I can get up at noon and go work at one and be totally fine. So I do appreciate that part of it. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Um, same here. Everything I do is virtual and I miss traveling and, and meeting people and like going on airplanes and just being around people, even if I'm not interacting, um, I'm ready mm -hmm. to go back. Like I wouldn't say I'm a social person or an extrovert. Maybe I am. I think I do charge my batteries with other people. I think I do. That does charge me up, but I, I do like, like I haven't worn legit pants. Like I think tonight was the first time I wore legit pants in like 12 weeks. For real, for yeah. Real. I I uh, I I forced myself to whenever we went out last night to to get hookah. I forced myself to wear pants, and that was the first time I wore like pants pants. Yeah. Since I stopped going into work. I know. So, same thing. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird, man. Um, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist when it comes to all this. Like, I definitely don't believe it was 5G or some crazy shit. But right, right. I do yeah. think like the the people that now have to work from home like they took something from us man like i i want things to be normal again um mm -hmm. i really do I, I miss it i want i want live events yeah, yeah. That and that's why i'm watching ufc man because it's the only thing that's live that's true what's going I on mean, like wrestling tonight? Uh, it's just UFC fight night on ESPN plus. So okay. it's the main event right now. It's about to start. I just have it on mute cause I didn't want to make you wait. So I was just like, Oh, come on and say what's up to my homie. I haven't I seen you it, in years. I know it's been a long time. I, uh, geez. Like I, if I had toughed it out, you know, I applied to try to get into Apple proper and I had a buddy mm -hmm. who was, who was pretty much telling me like, if you apply, you'll get it, you know? And I kind mm -hmm. of believe her and I got another job. My whole life went on a different tra trajectory. And it was like, right. That was the sales job, right? It was a sales job and it was like eating shit. I mean, you've done sales. And so yeah. Yeah. it is demoralizing. It is brutal. I was doing 120 cold calls a day. I was only there for three months and I got two deals. Like it was brutal, man. Um, but yeah. I just toughed it out with Apple. Like my whole life would have been different. It's a good gig, man. Well, see, my thing was before Apple, I had never had a steady paycheck. So I didn't know what not having to worry about bills looked like. Yep. And they never had to worry about like not being broke because before Apple, you knew that I was working at Lowe's and Apple for a month. So oh, yeah. both jobs. That's right. So uh, whenever I left, whenever I left Lowe's and I didn't get Apple the first job hire, I like cracked down. So the second time I got hired and that was August of 2017. So yeah. that was three years ago. Wow. So, Fucking nuts. Yeah. So I'm trying to send this to you, but it's not letting me send it to you. Can you send me your, your email address and I'll uh, yeah, give me your email address and I'll send you an email. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, here. I'm going to DM you. Hold on. Okay, perfect. This is the best. I look forward Perfect. to it. People send me scripts still to this day, even though I'm not super, super active, I think, on social mm -hmm. media. Still send me scripts. And I read them. Mm -hmm. and 
I feel bad. Like a lot of it's shit. A lot of the time right. I, I will read one page and I know it's not going to work and I'll tell them what they want to hear, which is like, no, that's great, man. This is great. Go make it, you know, because quite frankly, people aren't going to make it and they just want, the, they want the dopamine. Yeah. Isolation. And I give it right. to them. every now and yeah. then I'll say like one out of three are really good. And I read the whole fucking thing and I, I, I can't wait, man. So, um, yeah. I really it's just remember. the first act. That's so bad. Don't worry about I wasting can't. too much time on it. No, no, no. I'm a speed reader, man. Hey, Brian, it's good. It's good. Oh, okay. My friend Brian does podcast too, and he's about to hit 100 this year, I think. And so it's been, uh, it's been cool, man. This is podcast gig is great. And then um, I felt like the economy and technology came to us podcasters because everybody's zooming now and everybody's making it happen mm -hmm. themselves. And it's mm -hmm. good for us. Like we still have work, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And that's the crazy thing. Since the whole world has kind of gone to this uh, podcast economy, I don't think anytime I watch YouTube videos, it's either part of a pro podcast that they just kind of clipped out into yeah. its own segment, or it's a full podcast. Like I don't even watch five or 10 minute clips anymore on YouTube. And I all I do is watch YouTube. Like that's my mm -hmm. main media consumption platform so who are um, like your yeah, top I mean, five like that comes straight to your mind i'm gonna eat this chocolate bar that i had saved uh what are like your top five yeah, yeah. that you have Go to ahead. consume who are who are your guys and girls so uh since i've been on a ufc kick uh joe rogan does a weekly ufc podcast that's separate from like his joe rogan podcast um but i also watch pretty much at least 30 or 45 minutes of all of his that I find interesting. Um, your mom's house is always really good. Uh, and then the one Christina P does by herself, like yeah. where the mom's at. Oh yeah. That's also really funny. Um, oh, yeah. I never paid attention to my, my bowel movements until I actually started watching that podcast. Do you, are you, like, she always are, says, you <laughs> are you a shit to shower guy? Huh? Are you a shit to shower guy? Uh, so I was, and I didn't even know it. Same. I didn't Same. even know it. <laughs> Same here. Hey, Rebecca, and, what's up? Um, thanks for coming by, man. That means a lot. I really, really like Nikki Glazer. You up with Nikki Glazer? I don't know yeah. if you've ever watched her. I have. Um, I didn't but, know she had a podcast, but I, I like her stand up. Yeah. So she has a, a daily show on Sirius XM. So it's not technically a podcast, but it's like an XM radio show. Yeah. Um, so I really watched, I really enjoyed that one a lot. Um, ah, you fell. Story of my life. It's all good. You look good. <laughs> you look good. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's basically uh, it. And then I, I watch a lot of sports stuff. Oh, there's a cockroach right here. I got to kill it. Like it's looking at me. Kill it. It's going to take off my, I have a chancla real Mexican style. It's uh -huh. a big, it's a big motherfucker. Is it one of the ones that flies? Woo! I fucked <laughs> that, fuck that guy up. Hold on. We're going we're gonna to make podcast history right here. Let's see how ratchet my shit is. R.I.P. R.I.P. Look at this bad boy. Oh. <laughs> it's rack focus. We're going to get rack focus right here. Look at this guy. Look at his guts. You can see his guts, oh. man. Hold on, I gotta hit focus on this guy. I'm using a mirrorless camera. Look at his guts. Craziness, <laughs> bro. 
Yep. Wonderful. Cockroaches. This is what you get for working in a garage. Uh, what I was going to say is those H3H3 H3 guys, um, not a super huge fan of theirs or whatever, but I see their podcast clips all the time. That's become like the new thing. And rightfully mm -hmm. so. It's, it's a, I think, podcasting on a business side. Like I do some consulting for people creatively. And my mm -hmm. biggest recommendation is for people to, to create a podcast. Tons of content can come from that. So I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing. That's why, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people have gone through the, the process of doing like an hour, two hour, three hour podcast. And then they don't go through and clip out the best parts of it because no one wants to commit to a podcast they've never read, like they've never listened to before full out. So if you have it clipped out and they like your five minute clips, then they'll check out the full version. Cause that's how I get hooked to different podcasts. I'll just see it in my suggested YouTube feed and mm -hmm. I'll just start watching clips from it. And if I like it, I'll be like, okay, I'll put this on as background noise. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that Joe is going to move to Spotify, you know, like I'm interested to see. Yeah, that's a power move. It's a power move. I'm interested to see how he's going to maintain his audience and how he's going to grow his audience on Spotify. Because quite frankly, they they saturate YouTube so much. I wonder how they're going to make that work. Mm -hmm. My friend Kendall York asks, what do you think of radio dramas making a comeback in podcast format? I've been wanting to make kind of like a, a sonic screenplay, you know, where you get like a round table of actors and everybody performs it. And so it's like this sonic movie idea. I've been wanting to toy with that for some time because it's cheaper than making a movie. And I'm always thinking about what's a cost effective way to do something fun. Um, but I, having said that, like I've never actually listened to one. So I got to try it out. So try is that out. like we're the world type thing? Yeah, exactly. That's what people are doing. Yeah. Wow. That is a, that is a, an interesting thing. Bring back, you know, stuff from, from way back when, you know, the fireside chat things. I got your script, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check. I sent it to you. I wanted to make sure that it was the one that opened because I had one that was corrupt file. It works. So I had to go back through there. I'm going to read it. Um, perfect. Yeah, it's 18 pages. I looked at it. It's just uh, a little bit of it. It's what I had to do for, for my project yeah. in that class. But People send me it's, that they're like 240 pages, and I'm like, there's just no way. Why are you doing this? <laughs> there's no way. Why, why are you doing this? I can't. <laughs> But, um, dude, I'm telling you, like, one out of three people send, like, gems. And then they're like, mm -hmm. don't steal my idea. And I'm like, do you know how expensive it would be to make your idea happen? Like, it, I, no one's going to steal your idea. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where I have so many treatments that are just sitting in a document, like, that are just saved on my computer that will never see the light of day because it's just, like, the idea is so expensive that it would never happen. I know. <laughs> I know, man. So what are some um, what, what's some good shit that you've been you've been watching? I remember you telling me back in the day, like City of God was your favorite movie. I'll never forget that. Yes. Like, what is yes, something City God. in the past couple of years that like hit your radar? Oh, that really moved me. Oh, so one that I just watched the other night um, is Honey Boy. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. It's the uh, it's the Shia LaBeouf. Uh, like uh, auto, auto doc. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's super real. Like 
the entire movie you're just like what the fuck is going on and then like the last two minutes you're just like oh shit i get it now it's one of those where you're just like you got to watch the entire movie and then it makes sense and you're just like oh i totally forgive you because i didn't waste the last hour and a half of my life <laughs> okay it's one of those um yeah uh i think yeah. it's on Amazon prime so i need to check it, it is. out that's where i watched it yeah, yeah that's where i watched it um last couple of years what has what's something that's really moved me um that's a great question to be honest with you i've been watching a lot of i'm genuinely curious if like the the last smash that happened pre-covid i feel was joker that was the last like box box office smash and i wonder mm -hmm. if we get all these riots and protesting and all this mask wearing culture i wonder Obviously, George Floyd and his death definitely was the catalyst. It was mm -hmm. the um, perfect storm, as they say, for sure. But I wonder right. if yeah. without Joker, do we get that kind of riot sort of stuff? It was the well, big See, here's so much money. Here's the thing that I, I was telling a lot of my friends. It felt very purgish to me, mm. the way all of these protests were happening, because these unmarked trucks were just offloading these huge things of bricks in these urban centers. Yep. And you know, the new founding fathers would eat that shit up. Yep. They love that violence. And I was just like, man, mm. I'm telling you there's, there's something going on here because what do you remember? Like everything went down in Minneapolis and then it just spread throughout the country like wildfire. Yeah. It was like they hit the, me the the memo button. They were like, all right, disperse all the craziness. Because at first it really was a thing. Like, hey, yeah. this is fucked up. These four cops should be charged. Because remember, they didn't even charge him for a while. Shit. Yeah, that's true. Um, man, The Purge. I've only seen the last Purge movie that was called The First Purge or something. First Purge? Yeah. <laughs> and it had a sort of like... I don't want to say it had a Black Lives Matter theme, but it was like a black ensemble, I recall. Yes. So yeah. it's it's basically the the first purge. It took place uh, in the most like socioeconomically deprived area of New York City. And basically they gave you X amount of dollars to stay in the, the radius where the purge would happen. That's and right. basically all crime was free or all crime was legal for 24 hours. But basically, it was just a coup to try and get it to the nationwide. And it wasn't for scientific research at all because they had to get like all of the, the underground military to come out and then like actually start the violence, which, oh my God, you're totally right, is totally what happened. Gary, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it, man. Like, we're so inundated with all these images and they make a lot of money at the box office. So, kind of wouldn't doubt it if it's in our core at the end of the day. This is random, but I can recall. I have a few me memories when I worked at Apple, and uh, I have never said it this on in public. Um, but I was writing, I was writing a a novel while I was working at Apple, and so I would take like I bought like a two hundred and fifty dollar, not a Chromebook, but something shitty like that, like a real small tablet type thing. And I oh, would, I remember going by their desk. <laughs> exactly and so i was writing something yeah. I, and i finished it and i'm so proud of it and i love it and it was great and um and i would always do these doubles especially like the first six months of of my tenure there 
Like I was working 60 hour weeks every week. And mm -hmm. one, the day that Donald Trump got elected, I remember I stayed there all night and watching the news mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and kind of feeling like, holy shit, like this is, this is happening. This is gonna well, happen. Remember, remember that night, if you were there taking calls, bro, we had so many Canadians calling in because Americans weren't calling in because of the election right. night. So all these Canadians were like, are you guys really going to let Trump win? Is this really happening? Yeah, and man. Bro, we would just watch the states come in state by state yep. Yep. by state. And then Florida came in and we were just like, oh, fuck, this is really happening. I remember the next day when it was official, the next day I, I, I worked until like 10 or 12 or whatever it was. And then I came in early the next day and um, just the vibes like it was like, like, a, I hate to say it, but it was like a 9-11 sort of vibe where people oh yeah, were down, man. And so well, I don't know. I was almost four years ago, man. Like, what do you think yeah. has changed, if anything, at, if anything at all? I think people are starting to realize that the media isn't there to to give them information. It's there to spread whatever the people in power are telling them to spread. Mm -hmm. um, I just can't watch any kind of news on TV anymore. I watch a lot of secular talk and a lot of uh, like rising. And I watch a little bit of TYT um, or mm -hmm. the Young Turks. I don't I know if you've all heard time. of those guys. I feel like they're shadow banned on my YouTube because I used to be subscribed to them and I never see their stuff pop up. Yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me. A lot of the independent media on YouTube is getting shut out just because Google wants to give the ad dollars to their premium clients. Mm. Uh, that's actually a thing. You know, whenever uh, Logan Paul did his suicide forest video, who could forget? His punishment was, yeah, <laughs> his punishment was uh, Google took him off his premium ad rep. So he still got ad revenue. It just wasn't in the premium service anymore. Wow. So basically what happens um, is those huge ones like MSNBC and Fox News and CNN, they're all in that upper tier. Mm -hmm. So the, the upper tier, they get the priority on all that stuff. So all the independent, all the independent media, like um, I don't know if you ever watch uh, the Jimmy Dore show. No, I've heard He's of a it. comedian. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he he he's really good too. And I feel like all those guys are just kind of getting left out in the dark just because mm -hmm. either shadow band or whatever's going on. Yeah. It's nuts. But, I, I put on like InfoWars the other day. Like I went to InfoWars.com and Alex Jones was mm -hmm. live and he was he was being Alex Jones and I was like, This guy just is so <laughs> extreme that they banned him from everything. It's insane, man. But he still has a very hardcore following. So, you know, he's from Austin, right? Of course. Yeah. I, I drove past his yeah. house. Yeah. So, you know, the, the clip on Twitter where they threw the homeless guys, um, yep. they threw the homeless bed. guys bed on, on the fire. That was InfoWars that caught that on camera. That was their footage. Wow. So, yeah, this is conspiratorial. I feel like somebody on his team definitely threw that bitch in the fire. Why else would a camera be right there? I know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know? I remember when that was happening, man, dude, I, I can recall just a gosh, like two weeks ago, waking up mm -hmm. and those infamous now infamous photos of Minneapolis on fire. 
And like I have the, one. I have one on as my lock screen just because I never want to forget that moment in my life. Dude. Because it's just like it's so powerful. It really is. There's one like, with like um it's so iconic. I saw it it was full screen newspaper when I was at H E B mm -hmm. and because who gets the newspaper? And um it was the one where those uh, the Arby's is on fire in the background. <laughs> that that's the picture, man. That's the fucking picture. See, I have the one where it's a huge, big ass building that's, that's on beautiful. fire, and like the car picture. in the parking lot's on fire. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, you couldn't make this shit up. Um, did you see the meme the other day where it's like uh, uh, 2020 historians are gonna say which 2020, which part of 2020 historians they are because so much shit's happened so far. I don't even know, man. Like just in my lifetime alone, like I remember 9/11. I remember Y2K mm -hmm. when I was 12 years old. I can recall 2012, like actually thinking where people thought that the world was going to end, you know, Ebola a few times, <laughs> you know, Trump's election, which was a very dark day, uh, especially being in a liberal town. And just this year alone, I, don't even, I mean, I don't even know where, where to start with this year, you know? Um, so people forget that Australia, Australia literally almost caught on fire the entire continent. Yeah, that was in January. That that's was this started. year. That's how we started, man. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. I, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted, man. Like, uh, I feel desensitized. Not a lot of people want to admit it, but like, it takes it takes a lot to really shake me, man. You know. Well, see, my thing is, is like, work hasn't been affected by me, and it was really hard because there's been a couple of times where I've just been like, I need a day to like get myself right. Yeah. Because even though the world is in flames, I have to act like nothing's wrong. And so, like, getting to that place <laughs> where you're killing off those emotions to just do your job—that's a tough place to get to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just tell myself not everyone's in the same situation that I'm in where they have a good paying job and that haven't been affected negatively, you know? So many people, like, I feel like millennials get a bad rap, you know, but we've mm -hmm. seen some shit. And quite honestly, like, I don't think this, I, I honestly feel like the protests, even the riots, all this craziness, I actually think this is for the better. And, and white people are in a position where they're pretty woke and they could incite some some real change. And you got to well, give that's people their prop, man. Like that's, that's really their work, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. It, it's so crazy that that in our lifetime, we've seen 9-11. We've seen the housing crash. Uh, we've seen, you know, Trump being elected. Yeah. We've seen all of this stuff with black lives matter and this is the world we grew up in there yep. were no good old days that we grew up in you know ever since 9 11 it's been one chaos after another yeah man especially for you you know you're a little younger than me like maybe five like four or five years yeah. younger and my yeah. good old days it's like dial up internet you know it's like <laughs> mtv yeah like, i mean Things yeah. were still chaos back then, you know. Mm -hmm. I can't really reminisce about that, but I remember when the um, when Tom Hanks got COVID, everything was shutting down. South by was canceled. I had a family meeting, right? Because I got the two kids, and I had to bring everybody around. And I remember I got five five gallon jugs of water, like I was a doomsday prepper. Mm -hmm. 
And, but this is before they took all the toilet paper. And I had a family meeting with everybody. And um, I was I went into like not hoarding mode, but, you know, I got a bunch of food, really overdid it. And um, I ordered from Amazon a box of Snickers, like 40 Snickers mm -hmm. came into this box. Yeah. I, like, I don't want to go out for snacks. We're going to have them here. My son opens the box, right? And he's just like, look at all these Snickers. And I remember looking at him and I'm trying to protect my family or whatever and like make sure that they're emotionally stable. And I was like, I don't know if yeah. this is the best time for in my kid's life or the worst. Because who gets a box yeah. of fucking Snickers? I was like, at least I, you know, can't be that bad. You know, it's kind of hard to starve yeah. in that country. But it's been crazy, man. Like in the beginning, it's we've been, I guess we're like on week 13. I mean, I've lost count, but it's been nuts. Like, I don't think I can start traveling. I don't think my work will allow it until maybe after September. I think that's what's what it's looking like. Yeah. My dad started traveling June 1st and he works for those corporates. So they, they have him full bore. He's going back doing his thing all up and down the Eastern seaboard. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just been really weird because I remember the NBA, whenever um, those two jazz players got it, it just shut down everything. That was like the final, the, the final domino to follow, to fall that just was like, all right, everything's closed from here until eternity. Yeah, it's nuts. I just put my son on a, on a flight to Chicago. So if, if he's good enough to fly, I certainly am too. Like I'm ready for it. You know, I, I am ready yeah. for it. Um, just came back from well, getting a couple's massage and this lady was all up in me, man. She was all up in all my crevices and shit. So <laughs> if we're that intimate with strangers at this point, like I think we can be okay. I think it's going to be all right. I'll risk it. Yeah, exactly. I'll risk it, man. Like I feel bad because, you know, my, my mother-in-law lives here and she's, she's up there in age uh, and I don't want to put her at risk, but you know, we got to keep going, man. We just got to keep this thing going. I don't think the COVID well, thing was as bad as people thought it was going to be. It's less than 1% of, of our country that got affected. Well, so basically, if as long as you don't have a compromised immune, immune system or have other shit that's really fucking up your, your life, right? if you get it, it's not normally something that's going to kill you. It's going right. to be like a bad flu or you're going to be super weak. And yeah. it's like, it's one of those things where like you said, less than 1% of the population has it. And they were expecting 250,000 deaths from it. And what, we're at 115? Is that what they expected? Wow. Yeah. There's still time. We still have, what, six months left in the year. So it can happen. Yeah. I saw I saw a tweet right before I got off work where they were like uh, sending 400,000, uh, 400 million, um, 400 million vials of a testing drug to Europe to test it out. Uh -huh. And somebody quote tweeted it, resident evil income. Yeah, basically, man. T-virus is coming. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So many things have come true. Like, um, I remember when Trump got elected, people were quoting, what was that movie called? Idiocracy, Mike Judge? Yes, yes. Yeah. I, was, I was doing the same thing. Yeah. No, same here. Same and it's you know, supposedly, like, uh, supposedly symptoms called this COVID stuff. And so it's just crazy. It's like, at what point do we want to not commit to the cliche? You know what I mean? Well, here's the, the crazy thing is they create those comedic satires as satire. 
So yeah. what kind of society, what does it say about society whenever yeah. satire becomes reality? Can I ask you a question? And we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but you were, you're, you're yeah. a Marine, right? Like once a Marine, always a Marine. So I wasn't in the military, but I grew up in a military base. So my stepdad was a, a retired Lieutenant Colonel in the army nurse corps. So I grew up next to Fort Sill my entire life. Mm. Huge I must military have installation. I must've got it confused then. Um, like, where do you where do you fall politically? Like, do you do you like to put a label on what you believe in, or? So I would say that I am neither Democrat nor a Republican, but I do fall on a progressive uh, ideology. I, I think everybody deserves a fair shot, and I think everybody deserves to pay their fair share for what you know they make. Yeah. So I'm definitely not a libertarian, and I'm definitely not a complete socialist. I'm somewhere on the spectrum. Okay. Yeah, it's hard. Like I, 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 I don't mind. I don't mind talking politics. It's one of those things where uh, I grew up in a very or a very conservative state. I know so you did. It's, <laughs> I was born. Like, I, can, I was born in Oklahoma, so yeah, I feel that it's yeah. a it's a piece of shit. Sorry, mm -hmm. but it's true. Nobody, we fly yeah. over you all the time. It's just what it is. <laughs> There's a reason why you and I don't yeah. live anymore, man. It's rough. Oh. For sure. Yeah. And and my mom loves it there. She's lived there and she's happy. So it's just like, all right, if you ever want to move down to Texas, you know, Fort Hood's an hour away. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I've been there. Fort Hood's okay. So, um, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. Yeah. No, I don't really know what I don't know how to contribute to politics, man. Like, I don't know how to put yeah. a label onto it. Like, my pretentious response to my leftist or right or whatever is like, I remember Neil deGrasse Tyson, they asked him, are you an atheist? And he's like, the only ist I am is a scientist. And I always like that. Such a good response. I feel this mm -hmm. not the same way, but I feel like I'm an artist and it's our job to just paint a picture of our reality. Reality. Or, yeah. or like you said, satire, just to kind of distort the prism of how we perceive mm -hmm. shit. Um, I admire artists that are like activists. I mm -hmm. I like to stay inspired and informed. I just don't I, I definitely can't belong to a, a card carrying Republican card. There's so much baggage. It's the same thing with the Democrats. Like I Yeah, I that's what I mean. I, I can't be associated with either one of them. Yeah. And while yes, I attended the Bernie rally in February whenever he had one in Austin. Yeah. It felt so different and the energy was so different than anything I've ever been involved in. I voted for him in the primary, but I mean, it didn't really matter, you know, after, you know, Obama called in his favors and told everybody to drop out except for Biden. It was kind of, it, it, he never had a chance, never had a chance. Sadly, so, uh, sadly. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't have so, a chance. Yeah. So 2028, whenever AOC gets old enough, you know, there's the, there's the next, the next person that, that, that I want to have, I want to have somebody run. You think so? I, I, I see. Some... I see AOC's ads because I guess she's re mm -hmm. reelected, right? Um, I see her ads pop up pop up on my stuff all the time. They obviously really? think I'm, I'm in her demo. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's the crazy thing on YouTube. I pay for premium, so it's one of those things where I don't see ads same. anymore. No, 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 no. Same here, but yeah. on Facebook you can't avoid them. So yeah. those are Facebook ads. Oh. Yeah. See Facebook, I get all these tailored ads for shit that I look up online. 
Yeah. I get Wish ads. You don't get random Wish ads? Uh, which is weird because I buy shit on Wish. I love Wish. I bought my fanny pack See, off of Wish. Oh, interesting. It was worth yeah, it. Yeah, I um, man, I haven't actually bought anything off of Wish, but I always get like ads, and I'm like, man, two dollar crack pipes. I could use this for a prop one day. They sell like too, <laughs> and they sell sex stuff. Dude, they sell men's lingerie where it has like the the elephant ears, and you put it in the Whoa. middle, and I, I'm just like, ninety nine cents, man, go for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes from China, and it takes like six weeks to ship, but yeah, it's cheap. It's weird. I haven't gotten a wish ad in a long time, but I also block almost every ad that I see on Instagram and Facebook. And YouTube, I'm like, I, the most bougie thing I, the most bougie expense I have is premium for the ads. And so I can turn off the phone while I listen to something. Yes, oh, 100%, yeah. I don't like going to different uh, audio platforms. That's like the, the bane of my existence. So if I can get it from one centralized location yep. and not have to download it on my yep. phone, yep. Uh, I'm gonna do it that way. Because I fix people's phones all day long, and I want to do it the way I want to do it instead of having someone tell me how to do it. <laughs> so I don't want you to get in trouble for this, and maybe I guess it depends on you. But is there anything about Apple, since you are an expert and you're you have your fingers on the pulse? Like, is there anything about Apple that you don't like? Because <clears throat> I'm I'm essentially brand agnostic, but I love the Apple ecosystem. Like when you have the watch. tell you. AirPod yeah, I can, and, the, and the phone, you feel like a cyborg. Yeah, I, I can tell you this about the Apple ecosystem. Um, I love Apple Music. I love my AirPods to death. And I love everything about my watch uh, activity-wise and like workout-wise. Um, I have a lot of behind-the-scenes knowledge. So it's one of those things where... I try to stay as, as positive as possible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I definitely think there's a lot of really great technology out there. Um, I think the, the Amazon Echoes and the Dots and stuff like that make it really easy for that ecosystem to be friendly. Um, I, am a, I am a HomePod guy. So mm. it's one of those things where I have not switched to the, uh, to the Google family yet. <laughs> um but uh, I, I love my HomePod, you know? If, if you don't have Apple Music, I, I, I wouldn't suggest it. <laughs> um, just because just because it, it plays all my stuff and all I do is just say, hey, X, Y, and Z, because I yeah. don't want X, Y, and Z to, to start playing. <laughs> um, play my playlist and then it'll play it on shuffle. So I don't have to worry about using my audio on my computer um, yeah. or, through my AirPods, I can just listen to it throughout my house on my HomePod. So, um, I agree with you. I think Apple services is probably where they're keeping a lot of their customer base. You're probably right. I, 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 I pay for Spotify and they sent me a free Google home, which is nice. Mm -hmm. A few, mm -hmm. like three or something. So I'm like, okay, can't say no to that. Um, and Spotify is like my thing. It's been my thing for a while. Apple Music, I I did the three months for free, and I'm not too thrilled about it. It has great exclusive stuff. I like that. 
Like you can listen to Zane Lowe's, you can see the videos, like they're all there and you can't find some of those on YouTube and it's cool. I like that. But I I don't know. Like I, I feel like they don't, they haven't fully optimized Apple Music or like the podcast app. Like there's a few apps that are pretty weak that should be the leading cutting edge of those like genres or sectors. And and they're pretty mm-hmm. like it, there's Apple's weird when it comes to that. Like I, I wasn't super inundated with, the Apple culture when Steve Jobs was alive, their stock yeah, has, has never yeah. been higher. So I, I think they're doing something right. But I wonder what the next thing is. Like, I feel like they need, they're like, they're the leaders of phones, of the culture, arguably of the, of the OS. Um, I love their MacBook. I'm such a mark. I don't mean to be, I don't go out of my way. It just, everything integrates, but I feel like they need sunglasses or there's going to be some other thing that's going to be so thing that is allegedly allegedly. And this is only things that I've seen on YouTube. So Apple, if you are watching me speak right now, yeah, this is something I've seen on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> um, everything. Apple pro is a really great Apple YouTuber. Um, mm. Allegedly. There might be uh, Apple Glass in 2021 and 2022. It was supposed to be announced at WWDC this year, but because of COVID, they had to push allegedly it back. Possibly, there's something about like Apple will be will be the uh, the culture that are the leaders in something slick looking like a spectacles or something like they will be the leader in that and make it cool to have an Apple bandana or something, some other um, <laughs> cybernetic sort of attachment. Um, they'll, they'll create it for sure. And I'm, I'm interested in the next thing because, you know, if you follow like Marquise Brown, is that his name? Marquise Brownlee? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, Brownlee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the best. Uh, everybody knows that. But yeah. he has said that we're kind of like at peak smartphone. And I think I agree mm-hmm. with that. You can't make it any smaller. You can't make it any better. And all we're doing now is just adding cameras. Like, Basically. yeah. The, it's done. Like, hardware wise, the only thing left is making it wireless, completely wireless. That's all that's left. Yeah. What's what's like the next uh what's the next cool thing? Like I'm kind of god this sounds so smug and uh inconsiderate. What's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, first this, world props? Totally. But I'm kind of bored with technology. Like I remember when the internet first came on, it was inspiring, man. Like and I think social media has done this. And I think social media, a, a year ago, I wouldn't have said this, but I do think it's a fad. I think we reached years ago, peak social media, and everything has just been a smaller, more like less um, optioned sort of thing. Like we started off with an octopus and now we have like this bipedal thing. And I think social media was mm-hmm. better when it had eight arms, you know, and so you take social media out of the equation. Like what is, what is even the internet? Like uh, I miss the, the wild safari, no pun intended that it used to be, it used to be a place where not only were you mm-hmm. anonymous, but there was, there was a sort of electric AOL chat rooms. I was a part of that. I fucked with that. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. So 
Uh, do you remember what your first AOL username was? This is so cringy, but I do. It was. So do I. So do I. It, it was, <laughs> gosh, in the nineties, like ninety seven, ninety eight, and uh, it was Albert I. Stein at AOL. Oh. Albert Einstein. I thought I was like wicked smart when I came up with that. Um, that's what, <laughs> what it was. I, it didn't even occur to me as a child that I could use my name. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Do you yeah, remember? Mine was, yeah, mine was still got a chisel at yahoo.com. <laughs> okay. Okay. A good one, man. And then my second one that I still have access to, this email address is like 20 years old. Holy still smart. have access to it. It's, it's spoobutt at yahoo.com i still have access to the email address it's oh my, my dog's name spelled backwards and a phrase my dad and i talk to each other all the time so it's just that backwards dude yahoo is and still I, thing. i'm on yahoo right now holy shit look at it <laughs> look at it wow <laughs> it's still a thing i know we still get calls from customers using sbcglobal.net Oh my God, of course you do. It was Earthlink.net. Earthlink. <laughs> yes. <laughs> man, I was going to say that one. That's you know. You know. Fucking ancient, man. That's ancient. <sighs> yeah, and they still have POP accounts. <laughs> POP accounts. Holy shit. I'm getting PTSD, man. <sighs> it's nuts. Bro, it's nuts. I've taken so many calls at this point where it's just like, you, you're never going to really surprise me anymore it's just like okay i'm gonna let you talk and then i'm gonna fix your stuff and then i'm gonna let you go <laughs> you know apple when, when, of course i was doing account security in the very beginning but that was one of the best jobs i ever had it was the best building to ever walk into the culture the people were great like when you i would take walks around the facility the campus on my breaks just to kind of mm -hmm. get the stuff going there's a nap room like that was the shit. I loved that job. It was super, super difficult to to not stay there, man. I did it just because for a new lease on life type of thing. Like a very, I'm very holistic in that way. But if I was mm -hmm. thinking about job security, which probably I should have, I would have stayed there. Um, but I miss it sometimes. I miss my routine. I miss my my commute. I would either ride the bike or I'd walk. And because I lived nearby mm -hmm. and it was like an eight mile round trip. I mean, for me, that was fun. And I yeah. miss, I miss it, dude. Like I, I, I do sometimes like I, I wish I could so, walk to a campus right now and, and do what I do. That'd be fun. So to be honest with you, like Volt versus being Apple proper. Yeah. Such a totally different life, bro. Is it such I mean, a totally which different better? life? Which is better, do you think? Yeah. 100% uh, Apple. 100% Apple. Uh, yeah. because Volt, you had like how many vacation hours and it was unpaid? None. Yeah, none. We yeah. could you, you had yeah, you had no paid time off. Yeah. Um right now, uh coming up on my third year Apple anniversary, I get four and a half hours of vacation every pay period. So that's a day off every month. And Holy I can shit. accrue that all the way up to like two hundred and fifty hours. Oh, hell and yeah. then they have a thing where you can cash that that out. Mm. So you can best. get that added to your paycheck. Apple's um, the best. Yeah. And whenever we're not on live, I can tell you a lot of other different stuff. 
That's I know some fucking awesome. I know yeah. some stuff that are yeah. alive. Oh, yeah, that would have been so nice. I love yeah, what I do. I, mean, I love what I do right now. It's everything that I want to do. Yeah. But I I got to hang out with like such cool people, man. And it was like I, I was really lucky. Like that was the, the best job ever. Like when I first when I moved back to Austin, I was a maid, kind of like you. Like I had two jobs when I was working at Apple. I was mm -hmm. doing this maids to go thing and working at Apple. And mm -hmm. if I didn't land that job, I probably wouldn't have made it out here, man. Mm -hmm. it was well, the that's the thing is like I, I've talked multiple times about what life is like after Apple and I just don't have an answer. So as long as I don't have an answer for it and there's not something that proves to me that's that's better off, like um, not just monetarily, but something that I actually enjoy doing, mm -hmm. then I'm not going to leave. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where there's a few of us that are left. You remember Kimberly? No. Short, short Mexican girl? No, I don't remember her, unfortunately. Oh, okay. I remember this yeah, one, so... too. I can't recall his name. It was like Luis or something. I feel so bad. But um, he was Hispanic. Mm -hmm. He was a cool guy. He was in our training class. And then I think he got signed on. Or maybe he left before I did. I can't recall. But he was awesome. I don't really remember too many people, was man. Was he on my team? I think he was on he was on your side, and I was on the other side, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Eric, I think, is the guy Eric. we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, Eric. I thought he was cool. Like, he... he cared he really Dude, cared. so he's cool yeah he's cool yeah so um <laughs> he's a he's a cool guy there were things there are things that that eric did that uh were not the best things to do <laughs> given the tools that we had access to okay. <laughs> oh okay. so uh yeah so it's one of those things where um uh he did not get hired on <laughs> oh okay he was definitely a cool dude He's yeah. definitely a cool dude. I don't disagree with you there. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there was some stuff that may or may not have happened. <laughs> okay. I think I <laughs> that was pretty like, crazy. Some, some beef, man. Well, Brent, um, is there anything yeah. that you want to kind of end on? I'm going to bring on my my buddy Kendall here. He wants to come on, and I don't want us to like talk oh, okay. and shit. But uh, I remember. Yeah, no, I, that's cool. I had this other podcast with my buddy Dave, and we did a movie podcast, and I wanted to have you on. In, in like 2017. So this is kind of a dream come true bucket list for me that you were able to come on right now. It's like, cool, I got him. You know, so this. Yeah. This, this yeah. Means a lot to me, and man. if you want to do a movie proper. Yes, I do. I'm I do. down. I'm down. Uh, I'm we'll on Tuesdays happen. and Wednesdays. So just hit cool. me up on Twitter and uh, you can read the, those 18 pages I sent you. I am. Let me write that down Tuesdays and Wednesdays because I'll forget. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, where can, I, uh, where can people find can, you on the internet? So it's at Bradlebees on both Instagram and on Twitter. I hardly ever post on Facebook, but it's uh, just Brent Stenstrom on Facebook. Yeah, man. Um, Instagram and Twitter is where I'm normally at. Knives likes a lot of my stuff. So uh, you might see a, a retweet of, on there. Um, but yeah, it's Bradlebees. So that's at Bradlebees. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-B. E-E-S, Bradlebees. I love you, man. I hope I hope you didn't miss your UFC fight. I'm sorry if you did. It was boring. It went the distance. <laughs> they didn't even knock each other out. Boring. <laughs> that sounds boring. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thanks but for coming on. UFC 251 is going to be dope. Three title fights on the same card. That's Okay, that's real quick, let me ask so. you. Do you think Connor's retired for good? No, it's a money ploy. 
What he wanted fucker. to fight three times this year. He wanted to fucker. fight three times this year. He fought Cowboy in January, and they're just no one wants to fight him. So that's the issue they're having. But no, he's not retired for good. Bullshit. But, uh, right. Yeah, I don't want to take up any more of your podcast. Yeah, no, so no, have no, fun no. tonight, okay, man? I love you so much. Thanks <laughs> for stopping by, and I'll talk to you very soon, man. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to read that script. Yeah, hit me up in the DMs. Yeah, cool. hit me up. Hit me up. Love right, you, buddy. I'll talk to you later, man. Take care, yeah. man. Brent, man, I'm so glad he stopped by. It made me so happy. Oh, it's like I got a real friend. Brent is cool, man. We go back. Um, we were in the in our in Apple original training class, and uh, I still follow him to this day. And he's just one of those guys that like uh, I actually consume his tweets and I, I look at what he likes at because he follows some cool people and. I feel like he just has his fingers on the pulse with culture. And I'm always trying to, I never want to age out in culture. I never want to be that guy that's so old that I'm like, I don't even know what's popping. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's cool anymore. And so this guy's on the cutting edge and he gets it. So in a bit, my buddy Kendall York, and I think this you're going to hear some breaking news. Uh, he's coming up in a bit. Um, and I'm, I'm very glad he has been on the podcast before and he was one of my favorite guests um, so be on the lookout for Kendall. He's coming in a bit. Um, episode 100, man, this is so cool. Um, I don't, I'm never one of those people that was like, I never thought I'd make it this far. I kind of did I actually kind of did. So I'm grateful to even be here and here's to, here's to fucking 1000. I look forward to 1000. So thank you guys so much for listening. You can listen to this podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, there's a playlist on YouTube. We're live right now on Twitch, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube. This is fucking awesome. And without further ado, I'm bringing in my buddy right now in three, two, one. Kendall, how you doing, man? Pretty good, man. How about yourself? Oh, you're looking good. You sound good, too. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, Stop shout out to Brent. For, uh, you know, he's saying here's to the next 100. Really, really cool. I'm so nice. grateful he was able to come on. Thanks for reaching out to me um how was work man you just come back from work yeah uh, right before your podcast started nice nice yeah that's great man well thanks for stopping by uh, do you want do you want to tell the people what, what we're working on congrats you can if you want i'll be you more than more you're way more articulate than i am i'm just a spaz i just go bah um so kendall was the writer, director, editor, cinematographer, um, you name it, producer of the feature film Bad Fans. And it's inspired by Kevin Smith's Clerks. And so it's basically this sort of um, DIY indie film that's done almost in like one take. Is it one take? It's like it was supposed to be like nine, ten minute takes, but it ended up being like five takes yeah. like five five minute takes yeah but, and um, it's a great film i'll link it down below thanks man hey my friend kat is here she never supports me hey kat, <laughs> if you want to come on the podcast now's your now's your chance um but anyways so kendall and i are gonna make a sequel to bad fans i don't want to give away like the plot and all the cool stuff you know i don't want to be like one of those trailers that just shows you everything but um thanks man oh i'm sunburned um but kendall and i are are working on it together and it's it's a it's a deep collaboration and so i'm super super stoked and yeah that's something that's going to happen and so uh it's going to be really fun man thanks for for bringing me on board you're welcome man i'm i like to 
that was probably the best compliment you gave on it was like wanting to be part of the conversation. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, there's a part of me that, um, if I'm writing and directing something by myself, I, I want it to be perfect. And so it'll take me two years to produce something, but if I'm working with somebody else and they're kind of leading the ship, like I'm, yeah. I, I feel like I'm really good. Um, I'm trying to think of like a sports analogy or something, but like, I'm really good on the outside. You know, I'm really yeah. good on third base, but like, I don't want to be the pitcher. Like, I don't want to be the main guy or whatever. Sometimes I like being the vice president or something. So I'm really good at like getting shit done. If I'm not the one that has to fall on essentially. And since you're the director, I'm like, okay, I think this thing can actually happen. Yeah, of course. My friend Kat yeah, says, more of a 90% kind of, guy and then let everyone else come up with the 10%. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like I can throw you the ball and you can make, you can make the touchdown and all that matters is the points on the board. I don't really yeah. care. Like, I don't need the credit. You know, I actually don't even put my name on 90% of the stuff that I make. So I think this will be a fruitful collaboration and yeah, it's going to be fun, man. Like I, I rather just, it'll be like, I'm got to make a feature film this year. You know, and I didn't yeah, yeah. leave my house to do it. Like that, that's that's the best. That's what I was thinking. Like I love uh, Robert Rodriguez's philosophy on like use creativity to solve problems. A hundred percent, man. That's so been like, the story of my like, life. What can I do? Because I wanted to make a feature film this year too, and I was like, what can I do without leaving the house and like Zoom calls? Yeah, dude, it's gonna happen, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be really, really cool, and I'm happy that we got to announce it on, you know, selfishly, like on on my 100th episode podcast. Like, I appreciate I didn't, you doing that. You don't have to. I didn't do think that. we're gonna do that, you know. So it's actually yeah. a pleasant surprise where I come from. It means a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. I also am going to. I just I'm going to do a radio drama too. Oh, sweet. Well, let me know if you need any help with that. That's something that. I appreciate uh -huh. that. I want to say everything that I'm doing right now because sometimes oh, yeah. like the dopamine hit will hit my brain and then I feel really, really good. Like I actually did it even though I haven't finished it. And so I don't want that to happen. But let's just say I'm 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 inspired by you and I want to do something like that too. I appreciate that, man. Yes, sir. Of so course. Have you seen anything good? How's your uh, vacation going? It's good. So tomorrow's my you know, my last Sunday. Uh Claire might stop by my wife. She's I don't know where she is. Oh, she needs to nice come to meet up. you. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully she does. Um, so Claire, you're more than welcome. Come on, what are you doing, man? Um, although if Cat comes by, like that's that'll be weird. But um, just because Cat's, she's gonna be like knives is an asshole, which is true. <laughs> Maybe it won't be weird. It's just facts. Um, my vacation is great. Uh, it did go by fast. I thought yeah. I was going to like run ten miles every day, and it's like that did not happen. Um, I just like. I took a nap like almost every day. Oh my gosh. It's true though. Thanks, Adam. Friend of my friend of the show, Adam, congrats on the 100. So cool. Everybody's so nice. Um, congrats, but, man. you know, I go back to work on Monday and it was cool. I got to see some movies that I've been waiting on and, you know, being, what a, movies? I watched it's on HBO. It leaves talking to a friend on Facebook, mom. <laughs> uh, I saw the movie blind spotting, which was really good. Really, really good. And I got to check out The Five Bloods by Spike Lee. Um, I need to finish it. I'm like, I need 20 more minutes. I hate having to stop in the middle of a movie, but that was really good. It surprised me. Super deep. And it made me think. 
Um, but that's a good one, man. Um, what about you? What, what's the last thing that you saw that wowed you? The before trilogy. Oh, I wish I could wipe my mind and watch that movie again for the first time. Yeah, of course. I wa uh, introduced my mom to him and like, uh, we watched all three of them in one sitting. Really? Yeah. And did it like, had you, and you never seen it before. I saw the first one and then I introduced my mom to it and then she wanted to watch all three of them in the same night. Well, I mean, the first two are kind of short, so I think you can. I've done that before. I've watched them all in one night before and it's yeah, fun, man. The first time I ever saw them, I, so back in the day, I would just buy DVDs. I would just go into I a bin at Blockbuster and I would just buy everything. And so one yeah. day I bought randomly um, Before Sunset, which is the second one. I yeah. bought Before Sunset, put it on, watched it, and was like, that's really good. But I feel like that's a sequel to something. <laughs> they, would do, they would cut to the first movie. And I was like, man, yeah. they movie look so young. And this is before the internet. So I had to find out that that was a sequel. And then I went back and I rented the first one. And I was like, damn it. So that's happened to me a few times where I see the sequel first. And then I got to go back and watch the original. But so that it's weird. And because of that, I think that shaped me loving before sunset the most. The second one's probably my favorite. Yeah. What about you? I like all three of them. Probably the first one the most because it's kind of like they're young and innocent, you know? Yeah. I want to say 2021 next year would be another eight or nine years that have gone by where they would they, make. They talked about it. Do you I think they're going to do it? Yeah, they, they talk. They want to. I heard. What would they call it? I don't know. I need to know. I've heard stuff like after afters or like. Something. I heard it's going to be epilogue or whatever. Hmm. I'm interested, man. I would watch it. I love those actors and Julie Depley. Like I love her in anything. Richard Linklater, who's an Austin guy from around here. Yeah, uh, I saw you. You met him. I I did. I was just. I look back on it. I was probably a douchebag about it. Like I interrupted his conversation. <laughs> he was just too nice to tell me to fuck myself, and I was tripping on mushrooms at the time. And I have no regrets. I, I had to shake his hand. I had to. I met Greg Sestero once. Why does his name sound familiar? From the room, the writer of the disaster artist. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah, man, that's nuts, dude. Um, he, was, he, was, he was doing a Q&A at one of his movies, and I didn't get to make it. Like, I got off of work, and then I yeah. asked him if I can go say – I asked the people at the entrance. It was at the Alamo, and I was like, hey, can I say hi to Greg Sestero real quick? Is he still here? And they said, yeah, I can go on back. He was super yeah. cool and nice. He's like the – one of the nicest people I've ever met, but it was like, Hey, what do you think of the movie? I was like, uh, I, I just felt bad. I, I told him the truth. I was like, I'm just trying to get a chance to see. You. I just wanted to meet you and get your autograph. I had a copy of the disaster artist's audiobook, and he signed it and took a selfie with me. What a cool guy. That's yeah. awesome. He seems like the type that would like take a moment to look you in the eyes and talk to you. And he did for a second. And my, yeah. the worst part was my phone was full of memory on photos so he he was so nice and got to wait patiently to like uh for me to rewrite some stuff so I can take a picture with him. Wow, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Yeah. That, I hate when that shit happens. I'm too scared to ask anybody for a picture. Like I couldn't do it. I've met some cool well, people. I was probably shaking the whole time. I was probably so awkward and yeah, douchebaggy. But he's really cool about it. <laughs> Speaking of douchebaggy, my friend Cat's about to come on, man. Kendall, is there any? 
I want to have her on and I don't want to be able to talk over each no, other. It's all good, man. But is there anything that you would like to direct people to, to follow you, to support you? How can they support the cause? So it's Instagram. Instagram, Kendall York. Yeah, York, Kendall York. That's where he's at, man. Check him out. Kendall, I love you, man. Thank you for stopping by. Girl, and let's follow up because we need to put some stuff on paper and get some shit rolling. Heck yeah. All right. I love you, Bye. man. Thanks for stopping by. Love you too. You're welcome. Take Bye. care, buddy. I'm too blessed. I'm too blessed with Kendall, man. He's he's one of the coolest guy and, and uh, fortunate enough that he supports what I do. I don't know why, but um, we're going to shift gears here. <laughs> hey, Kat. How you doing, Hi. Can you hear me? I can, I can, I can hear you. Cool. It took me 100 episodes to get you on. So is that, is that what I got to do? You know, it was really just a fluke. I was just scrolling and I saw you were live and I was like, oh, hey, I'll just check this out. Really wasn't on purpose or anything, but I'm happy to be here for number 100. Yeah, man. Hey, thank you for gracing me with your presence. You're welcome. <laughs> how, you, how you been, man? You feeling you feeling good? You feeling okay from the last time we talked? Because uh, mm. it's a weird existential time. Like a lot of crazy shit has happened since the last time we talked. Yeah, I don't know. I like I'm feeling different. I'm not. I bounce from one issue to the next. The current one is I'm feeling a little too normal, and I'm wondering if it's a problem. Like for example, I'm loving this new city. I'm living in is really nice, you know, and it's really. Where you at right now? Hoboken. I'm living in Hoboken, New Jersey. Oh, and it's nice. It's very nice. It's like a square mile city, so it's very contained and every it's like a neighborhood, really. And it's got, you know, it's been a lot of history and everything. So the buildings are beautiful and they're old. But it's like everyone here looks like they got plucked out of a JC Penny catalog. You know, they look so well adjusted. Mm -hmm. and normal and i'm like looking at them and i'm like Ugh, i don't like this i don't know yeah. i'm just not comfortable with it hmm. when am i ever comfortable with anything but i'm not i'm really not comfortable with it and i'm really not comfortable with the idea that oh no do i fit in here with these people with these well-adjusted non-mental issue having mm -hmm. regular normal people no can't be dear god please don't let it be like this like this can't be the end for me like i have so much more life to live like so that's that's my current oh my gosh well thank you for being honest i mean dude it's not the end jesus christ you're not at the epilogue of your life Cass. i mean maybe you're just getting i mean maybe yeah it's true you could die you never know that's true no you're right can't i don't assume man i don't want to assume no you're right you're right. You got lot, I mean, dude, you still have long ways to go, man. I don't know. I'm like, I'm ready to die now. I'm like 32. Did you and, did you and boyfriend move to Hoboken? Yeah, we moved here from Jersey City. That's probably better. Like, It's way it, better. It's got to be like healthier too, like maybe more spacious and shit. Well, you know, our apartment's way better for sure. And the city is way better for sure. Um, so it's almost like everything's too nice. And I'm ready for like the problem to show up hmm. but there currently isn't a problem really at all because i got a job he's got a job you know considering hmm. the way the world is right now we're doing yeah. pretty good so 
I don't know, I don't have, I really shouldn't be complaining, but it's also like my life hasn't ever been this good. And it's just weird where I'm working right now. Maybe it'll make sense how I'm feeling if I tell you the larger context. Sure, please. So the place where I'm working at is this new cafe that opened and it's really cute. It's kind of like a cookie cutter of a lot of other cafes I've seen, but that's fine, whatever. It's about the coffee more than anything. Um, but the couple that started it, they're like so normal and regular is how I, it's right. It's how I call people. It's like my term is regular people. Regular people implies that they look like they came out of an, a regular person catalog, like JCPenney or Target or whatever. Uh -huh. And then they have, you know, parents that are still together and right. seem so like normal. they get along. Yeah. yeah, two parents at that, right? Yeah, exactly. And mm -hmm. then, you know, like they are not broke and poor and diseased, as far as I could tell, yeah. you know. Um, and she's 26 and she started her own business. And I mean, I'm sure she got help from somebody. And even if she hadn't gotten help, like, you know, it doesn't really matter. But I was looking at that and it's making me feel like, why you know underprivileged which doesn't make any sense because i'm fine despite all the things that are not fine about me like i could have had it so much worse so i'm looking at that normal perfect regular ass person slash situation it doesn't really and i'm like wow i am either the fuck up or yeah, possible or like i'm becoming not a fuck up and I'm not comfortable with either of those. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, let me ask you, like how much is that inadequacy feeling? How much of that is like the artist you, right? I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's inextricably tied to who you are when it comes to everything. But, you know, sometimes as artists, we can glamorize suffering, right? Whether if we want to or not. And we, we have all of our heroes to look at that come up that have the come up of like, you know, slept on the stairs and slept on the floor and all this shit that we all romanticize. Like, is there, is that what's going on here? Or is that not, has nothing to do with your creative? Id? I think it's more like, it just doesn't feel that like it's, it's like real, but it doesn't feel like it's sustainable. I think because it's, it's, like what I'm used to, what I'm used to do on my own, what I'm able to do on my own is I'm able to rent a room in a house in the worst part of Detroit for $400 a month flat, which includes everything. Like yeah. that's what I can afford uh, completely on my own, just me doing whatever it is that I do normally. That is what I can do. And then, you know, with that type of income, I can take care of myself and sometimes I can save a little bit. But yeah. I'm living a life that really isn't my own. Like, I couldn't afford to live the way I live right now. It's only because my boyfriend has such a great job, and he's ridiculously, like, amazing. Yeah. Not that he's, like, the picture of perfection, but he's just, like, so much more well-adjusted yeah. than me. And I'm like, that's never going to be me. And so this doesn't feel this doesn't feel like something I should ever let myself feel comfortable with because it's not something I can accomplish on my own or it's not something I have accomplished on my own yet which is something honestly I would like to do but 
I'm still not there. So this is maybe. kind of a dumb question. Um, but if you were married, would you feel better about it? Because when you're married, you're a team, right? So your his wins are your wins and you know, blah, 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 all that shit, right? You guys are a team. It's a group effort and everybody's a, a contributor. Like no matter how you want to look at it, it's 50-50. If you guys were married, would you feel less weird about the the you know the, the the part where you're like you didn't necessarily get this on your own would you feel weird about that or would you feel better if you're married well that's a really good question thank you for asking that mr monroe um i really feel like i don't think being married would make me feel any better because in my life i have seen you know, the women in my life, some have had successful marriages. You know, a successful marriage is a marriage where before you get divorced, somebody dies. That's what a successful successful marriage is. I've seen unsuccessful marriages, like where my grandma was married for 20 years and then got divorced, married for another 30 years, and then wasn't able to afford getting divorced. So now she's still living with her, um, I guess, their roommates now, her husband. So... It's just, I don't think marriages last and I don't think like, I don't think even the ones that do really should have. So I think the ones that work and they're great and it's awesome the whole time, mm -hmm. even those ones end with Ryan Gosling fucking dying next to his girlfriend or whatever, the notebook, that's what I'm talking about. And that wasn't a happy movie either. I fucking bar. hated that movie. Bar of marriage. That's not the end all be all of marriage. It's not. Well, it's just there's never a happy ending. So it's kind of like that doesn't that doesn't make me feel better. What would make me feel better is if I was able to accomplish these things on my own. Period. Hmm. Like but, that's my goal. I mean, so would you if you were left to your own devices and everything was stacked in your corner? You know your health was completely optimized and your opportunities like you you maximized your your opportunities and you you all your privileges are checked and you did everything by the book according to your standards i mean would hoboken even be in your end game like would would it taste even sweeter because you earned it yourself like or is that maybe just another excuse well i didn't come here for me you know i came here because my boyfriend got the job in new york city so what what would be the the upper echelon for you? Like where would you go if everything worked perfectly the way you wanted it to? Hmm. Well, you know, I'd probably stay in Detroit to be honest. Because is it, is it cool over there? Like do you what is it about Detroit that you dig? Well, it's it's kind of like it's what I'm used to and I know so many people there and I know how to have a good time there. I mean, I haven't really, I can't really say, oh, I'd have a better time in San Francisco or LA. It's like, literally, I feel like having a, a good time and enjoying your life entirely depends on who you're spending that time with. It's not as much about where you are. It's about who you're with. So most of the people that I like and know are in Detroit. So that's probably where I'd be. And I'm sorry if I don't remember, um, you know, because we've talked a lot off mic, but I don't know your entire abbreviated bio. But are you from Detroit originally, or did you grow up there, or did you migrate there? Or like, did you go to elementary, middle school, and high school there? 
So my family has been in the Detroit area for about four generations. They used to live in Hamtramck, which is literally like it's Detroit. It's in the middle of Detroit. It, Detroit's a weird place because there's the there's Detroit and then there's a few there's a couple small cities inside of Detroit, but it really it's Detroit. So anyway, my family it, they were in Hamtramck. And then the riots happened in the 60s and every all the white people left, including my family. Wow. And then they all moved out to the suburbs. So then my family was in Gross Point, which is literally right next to Eight Mile. But mm -hmm. um, there's the Eight Mile that's like the good side of Eight Mile, eight mile and the shitty side of Eight Mile. It's, it's right there, but it's Gross Point's a nice place. So it's not like Eminem's area where he was. But... Um, it's still east side Detroit, but it was a nice area anyway. But and Gross Point sometimes will still claim Detroit, even though it's it's not the same thing. But um, then my family moved a little further out, and uh, I grew up not in the suburbs, uh, but I grew up. I don't know, like I'm not as I didn't grow up in the city. I guess is what I'm saying. I grew up in the suburbs, but uh, as soon as I was able to, I moved to the city and I really, really liked living there. And I would ride down Woodward Avenue every morning to get to uh, my jobs working at the cafe or working at the bar. Yeah. You know, I think about my, even though I was, I've been all over the place, you know, I moved so many times when I was younger, but the place where I essentially went to school you know, like my high school and everything, the real Grandy Valley in South Texas, man, like without sounding cocky, I don't want to be like a cocky guy. I really don't. But I was like the mm, uh, creatively speaking, right? Like on the fringe, creatively fringe, like I was like the, the biggest jock in my hometown. You know, like I had all the accolades, I did everything. And I was a big fish in a small pond. And I could go back and I know where everything is. And I know who where all the cool people are and I know where all the hot spots are and I could go back and like, it would really crowdsource my self-esteem as an adult. Um, but I was one of those, like I saw this YouTube video essay. I didn't actually, I didn't watch it. I saw the headline where it was like, why do all these emo, I think it was a mall punk or something like that. Why do all these mall punk bands like Blink-182 and so on, why do they all talk about leaving their hometown? Like, why is that such a trope? And I'm like, that's true. Like, I was one of those guys. I couldn't wait to get out. Like, and so, but if I went back, I would be greeted with open arms. I could probably build something there as like a locker room leader type of filmmaker guy. But in a way, it's kind of too easy for me. It's too easy. Like, I, I never, I, you know, and I don't want to sound condescending because I know there's people from my hometown that listen to this family and friends and whatever who I don't want to seem like holier than now but it's there's like a towny aspect to living there and people die there and they meet their high school sweethearts there and so on that it's just not for me like I I almost wanted to go fail someplace else and I did you know I came to Austin still don't have any friends <laughs> you know I've been here for on again off again six seven years or some shit and I still don't have like my crew, right? Like my crew's down there in Donna, Texas. Do you feel like there's a comfort factor? All that, just to say, do you feel like there's a comfort factor about going back to Detroit and 
you know, you can kind of just walk around with your eyes closed, you know, where everything is like, do you like that pocket of security or comfort or whatever you would call it? Well, I mean, my security walking around Detroit was my knife in my back pocket and then my pepper spray in my left pocket. So that was my security, <laughs> technically. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when I was in Detroit, I knew pretty much everybody, you know. Um, and if I didn't know somebody, my someone in my family knew somebody. So I was just, I'm just really well connected there. You know, it's if I need something, it's really easy for me to get something or have a good time like if your whole family's there if everybody if everyone you know is there it's just like it's easy to be comfortable and i was watching this documentary about eminem going back to detroit and he said the same thing he's like there's not a lot to do here but it's like you know everybody and you're just comfortable with it that's exactly what it is mm -hmm. i don't know if that's a universal thing i would think it is but that's how it is in Detroit. And I mean, Detroit is only getting better, honestly, because Detroiters have put so much time and effort into making it better. So it's totally different than what it used to be 10 years ago. It's an actual, like an actual downtown area now where people who don't live in Detroit or live in the Detroit area could come and actually, you know, be tourists, I guess, and have fun. Yeah. Man. Well, I mean, I want that for you, you know, as a, as a friend, as an admirer, as a fan, I like to think I'm your number one fan, top three, maybe, um, I'd probably be the president of your fan club. It's neither here or there. I mean, <laughs> you, you're the, a co-sign would be nice anyways, but I, I do want you to have that crystalline, a uh, crystallized vision of yourself. Like I want you to be fully realized and happy and productive and inspired and informed and everything that you want. So you could. So the world can get more of you, you know, wherever. Well, thank you. Thank you. But look, I, I think what your point was, was more about, it uh, was a little bit more like connection slash friendships. And what, what I've experienced not being in Michigan or Detroit anymore is, you know, the same thing that you mentioned is just that whole isolation issue. Mm -hmm. And when you're a creative person, having a team around you and just people to bounce off of and work with, that's really important. That's really motivating to be able to see that because when you see other people doing things, you're like, oh shit, I need to be on my shit too. I need to be doing things, yeah. you know? And I haven't really, you know, I've only been here about a year mm -hmm. um, and I've done everything, you know, I got myself involved a little bit. So I know a few people here, but it's definitely, I don't feel like I, like when I was living in Iowa, I had a creative community. Like, and that's just because my boyfriends grew up in that area. So he was really connected. Exactly. So it was super easy to like find someone to do something with, have an idea. Let's make this fucking do it right now. Mm -hmm. It's not just me and maybe one other person trying to do something. It was like, you had a large group of people that are all like down to do stuff. And I'm sure that's here somewhere. I just haven't found it yet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you had... And I'm speaking for myself as well, because I feel, I mean, you're, you're pushing buttons in, in, in me. Like I can relate to this as well. I moved to Austin, a big city for the opportunities. You know, I wanted to fail at a place that could possibly yield more return for the work that I was putting in. And, you know, and, and it worked, but I just don't have, you know, it's like in the movie Into the Wild, like happiness is only real when shared, right? Yeah. Um, 
Killer Mike talks about instead of what's the, what's the word um, gentrification, right? Um, and and like the gems of a community of a Harlem of a whatever leave, right? And they go be successful, and they, they turn their back on their hometown. He talks about reentrification, right? Going back and making it better. You know, um, there's a part of me. And it's like an idealist. I don't know if it's something I actually want to do that would love to go back and re-entrificate, you know, the world and like bring people up and like go to the, the high schools, you know, and be like and find the 16 year old Knives Monroe's and talk and like be there and be like this, you know, I ain't going to run for mayor or nothing, but be this figure that could lift other people out, you know, and contribute more wealth to that place. You know, that my hometown, here's the thing. They don't give a fuck. They don't want it, right? So that's, I have to remind myself that. And every time I go back, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I left, right? Um, I don't know if you saw this thing. It was trending, but it was back in my hometown where somebody was fighting these protesters with a chainsaw. Did that pop up on your radar? Yeah, I heard about that. In my hometown. Like I saw a picture of it. From my hometown. You know, that's that's where, that's. it didn't surprise me, you know? And there's more heinous shit that happens in Austin or wherever. But that was something I was like, this is embarrassing. This is not what I want McAllen, Texas to be known for. Um, but I struggle with that, you know, and I think it, you and I are in, are in different boats. But I think our engines, our motors are pretty similar, creatively speaking. You're far more naturally gifted and talented than I am. And you, I'm like, I have four arms, but you have eight arms. Like you can do way more. But, you know, at the same time, like, you should you should you should go back to detroit well i'm kind of stuck work, here you can, you can go back anywhere you can do anything i could and you know maybe i should but right now i'm just i'm here and um i don't know maybe i won't be here much longer i don't know like it's it's just kind of like I, I'm trying to just go with the flow. That's kind of how I am, I guess. I'm, Did that work out? Did that ever work out for you? Because it hasn't for me personally. Working well, you know. Does that work out for people? I think, I think that the universe has a flow to it, and you can choose to go against that flow, or you can ride it and see where it takes you. Um. And my mom, when I was a kid, my mom always used to tell me, like, you need to go with the flow. You need to relax because shit's going to happen whether you want it to or not. And I was I was like, okay. And she literally beat that into my head. You need to go with the really? flow. Yeah. She beat that? She beat it? She beat you? Not like physically. Like, not literally. Not literally. No. You're on whack. At, so you got to be careful what you say. No, she, no, my mother, she, she was a demon. No, no, she lit it. My mom spanked me once and felt so bad about it. And then that oh. was, that's the most physical pun. And then my dad poked me hard once and my mom freaked out at him. So no, my parents were not physically abusive. That's they were, yeah, it was, that that's was it. not an issue for me. Um, but she would. It was, I guess the better way to say it was, that was one of her many mantras that she brainwashed me with. Oh, did it work? Thank you. That's pretty good. I made the salad. Hey, sorry, that's my boyfriend. Hey, I'll have some okay. later. Okay. Um, the whole thing, it doesn't go the whole thing. Okay. You eat whatever you eat. He's a cool guy. Yeah, he's nice. He's a really cool guy. I don't cool like sitting on my TV with the whole 
while I'm selling. Okay. Yeah. All right. Thanks. So um, now I'm thinking about salad. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah she, no, she beat it into my head. Not literally because I was a very, I was really, I was a fucked up kid. So, and my mom was, is like a normal person. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel bad because I'm like my mother. She probably had no idea what to do with me because she's so normal. You're an only child? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I guess. I have a half sister, but like mm, she's true. like one of those Oprah situations where maybe when I'm like 50, we'll reunite and it'll be like a thing. But I don't even know. What? Why wait? Why wait? I don't like I tried to find her and I couldn't find her. Interesting. She like changed her name or something. I love my half sister to death. She's my sister sister. I love her so much. And we could have been estranged and never connected, but I'm glad we are. So, you know, why wait? Why wait? Well, like yeah, I just I looked her I looked her name up the way that I know it, but I'm pretty sure she changed her name and I have no idea what it was changed to. She probably <laughs> changed her name because my biological dad's like a giant terrible awful person and i have no so i just don't know what her name is now i'd probably have to like go digging for it but mm -hmm. she knows what my name is she knows i exist you know we hung out twice mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure she'll she'd remember if she thought of it it's not a big deal i don't know okay, okay. i'm not i'm not that i don't i don't know i'm just not that's not really up on my to-do list fair enough man you made it this far I just, I don't know, like if maybe one day, who knows? Yeah, you never know. Hmm, man, uh, do, do you have like a, um, I remember being like 23 and I hadn't made a feature film yet. And I was like, I'm dying. I'm old. My ovaries are just dust, you know? Oh. I, I really felt like the clock was ticking. Like the Beatles had done so much before they were 30. And I was like, I'm 24. I don't want to be this aspiring filmmaker. And I finally did it. And I look back and I was like, I was a fucking punk. I was a kid, you know, and I'm 32 now and I still feel like a baby. Like I, I, you know, really, wow. I really do. Like, you know, I'm, I think when you're 50 shit starts popping, I really do believe. Wow. That. That's nice. Yeah. No, I do. And nice. it's true. Especially when I look at the people's whose art is like ages, like fine wine or people who really have something to say, they're usually a little older. And I think we glorify youth and we love young blood and we fetishize youth, you know, and anyways, so maybe I'm just trying to justify my age. But having said that, um, do you have that sort of sense of like doom of like, I got to do something while I'm alive. I'm, I, I'm still young. The clock is ticking because, you know, you're never going to be this young ever, ever again. Right. Like YOLO, as the kids say, like, don't you feel like you should check all the boxes of all the stuff that you want to do before you clock out? Well, I had my like age identity crisis early at like the age of 10. You know, I was like, oh shit, I'm in the double digits. I'm never going to be a single digit again. So I got that whole like ball rolling really early. Wow. And then, uh, you know, I got to the age of 30 and I was like, you know, a lot of people never make it this far. I've probably lived honestly about five different lives to this point. And you know, and then my health issues happened with my type one diabetes. And I was like, you know what, me, if I die, it's okay. Because but I've honestly when lived. Die. When you die, you will die. 
Well, I meant like at that time, if I if I died if I died of an L thirty and I was hospitalized for ketoacidosis, yeah. If I had died then, I would have, you know, and this is the conversation I had in my head. I was like, if I die, it's okay. Cause honestly, I lived a really, really full life. Yeah. Even though I'm only 30, I feel like I've actually done a lot of different things. So that's real talk. Yeah. That's deep, man. That's, that's I mean, that's just how I felt. And I was like, so it's okay if I die. Like, it's okay. Cause I could, you know, I was like, um, I was right in the edge there for a minute. You live. 70 more years which is super likely May well yeah i mean my grandma's all she's 97 so she's three years away from 100 so my chances are pretty good even with the diabetes you're still a baby you see what i'm saying i guess but i they're, mean i have gray hairs popping out of my head cure diabetes in the next 10 years Ugh, yeah sure. that's what Elon they always Musk's say gonna create a microchip or something just watch well <laughs> here's hoping Knock on wood. Um, I don't really feel young, but I I know young is really just relative. Sure. Yeah. So, and I've always kind of felt old anyway. I don't know. I'm just, I've never felt young and fun. I've always just kind of been trying to enjoy life. Uh, and that hasn't really made, feeling like you're trying to enjoy life doesn't really give you the whole, I'm youthful feeling. I feel like youth is kind of like, it's like freelance ambivalence to existence, and I've just never had that. Damn, that's a bar. Yeah, freelance. Damn, that's deep, man. I wish I had your outlook on life. Um, it's kind of more fatalist than, than where I come from, even though I'm super cognizant of my death and everybody I love around me's death, um, which is frightening. Why wouldn't it be? But I do appreciate your your outlook on things. You know, um, I think it's very mature. It's very mature in a time where people live in their little bubble and say a lot of dumb shit. You say some stuff that's pretty deep, and um, it makes me sad. It's like Rick and it's like an episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> well, thanks. Gee. Yeah, my pleasure. You're welcome for my service. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I guess I've always kind of like been daria but for sure um not on purpose oh yeah sure yeah i always kind of wondered why i had this like kind of depressive fatalist i guess nihilistic kind of way about me um and maybe it's because i got beat as a baby but i don't know yeah. maybe it's maybe it's just because of the depression but maybe that's because I got beat as a baby. I don't know. Did you get beat as a baby? Oh, yeah. Hey, did I mention I got beat as a baby? For that's real? What, for real? Yeah, that's what my, I, I ended up, I found that out a year ago. That's why my mom left my dad when I was one, because she found me with like a giant handprint on my back. Because my dad, like, I don't know, had an episode and couldn't do a dad thing. I don't know. It was weird. So then I was like, mom, why didn't you tell me this? Why didn't you tell me I was abused I as a baby? I wouldn't tell my daughter that. I don't, I don't think. Well, no, but like if you had a daughter that was like fucked up and had no idea why she was like depressed all the time and was, you know, I feel like that would be something that you would mention. Right? Like, hey, maybe it's because of this. Maybe. Nah, nah, nah. But no one, you know, like what else aren't you telling me, mom? True, true. 
Yeah, <laughs> I've looked into like, um, you know, people can pinpoint depression in utero, right? Like little fetus babies can get really sad inside there. And depending on what the mom's going through, if, she, if the mom's going through some abusive thing or whatever, that can trickle down into the baby's code. Yeah, totally. And so that might have something to do with it. Man, you're, it just made you getting beat as a baby really just made you more interesting. Well, gee, thanks. I'll write that in my uh, author bio on the he, back of my book. He could have cracked your skull. Well, he could have fucking killed me. He could have killed you. Instead, he just made you cool. <laughs> thanks, Dad. Gee. Thanks, you know, father. Oh, God. Gift Do of, I really owe him my creative genius? You would. I mean, think about it. He deserves something. Some thank you. Oh, my God. For sure. I wouldn't be who I was if my father wasn't a piece of shit. What'd he do to you? Um, He never did. He never, he didn't, uh, he didn't beat me as a baby. I don't think. My mom wouldn't say, to be honest. Um, Uh-oh, you don't know that then. No, his, his side of the family did uh, multiple people did molest me when I was a child, but that wasn't him. Um, no, he just like cheated on my mom and was a drug dealer and supposedly shot at people and did some prison time. Um, you know, and I don't say that to glorify that whatsoever. That's why I have drug free tattooed on my knuckles. Cause I'm like, I'm not like you. So I changed my name cause I didn't want to wear that guy's name. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just a piece of shit. He's still out there on his fourth wife and everything. And, but at the same time, like. I wouldn't be the superhero that I am without learning from learning by example of what not to be. I didn't want to be that as a father. I didn't want to be that as a man. He set the example of what not to be. And so thanks. Thanks for, thanks for that. You know, for well, sure. That's good. That's good that we both took it in such a positive way because we could have probably easily turned into psychopaths easily. And sometimes I'm on the fence. <laughs> For real, for real. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Sometimes I watch Dexter and I'm like, this is hitting too close to home. I believe that. Yeah, we have a little Dexter in all of us, for sure. That's why I love BoJack Horseman so much, because sometimes I feel like my genetic code is poison, and that's my birthright, you know? Um, mm. I fuck with that. But honestly, like artists, by and large, I mean, every now and then you have your Will Ferrells that are just pretty good people, supposedly. But um, I think by and large, we're fucked up. We're totally fucked up. Will Ferrell. I heard some stories about him, actually. I dated this one guy who I guess was, uh, who saw him in a restaurant once. And he, Will Ferrell was like eating at a table in this hotel or whatever. So we went up to him. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm such a big fan. You know, can I take a picture with you? And I guess Will Ferrell freaked out at him. He was like, don't you see I'm eating my dinner? Like, like freaked out, mad at him about it. So then he left. But, I, you know, he told me the story. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I think anyone would. That seems like a normal reaction, to be honest. Like, don't fucking talk to. Like, I don't like to be talked to when I'm eating either. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure. No, it's true. That sounds like it could be a game of telephone and maybe that's exaggerated or something. Who knows? But yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's, he's like 
over, I think he's pretty milk toast. He seems kind of basic, like a basic white dude, in my opinion. That have just, you met Will Ferrell? I have not met him, but when he's not doing a character, he's boring. He is fucking dull. He's like watching paint dry, you know. But when he's doing a bit and he's in he's in character doing his pro wrestling thing, like you know whatever, um, he's funny as hell. And so obviously it's a it's a talent, right? But um, it strikes me as a douchebag. But if you look at someone like Adam Sandler, right, you can tell this guy's got some demons. He's got demons. I don't know. I've honestly, I I I have no idea who Adam Sandler is like in real life at all. He's it, got demons how do you how how do you know um because of his neuroses you know he's a he's a jewish man in america you know and i know he's proud of it you know so that comes with a whole laundry list of things that you have to run away from or whatever deal with you know um being a jewish man oh sure yeah you know i'm sure maybe one of his grandparents or something where you know as a survivor or something that oh you mean like trauma like trauma. family trauma Absolutely. and okay. that's to start out with out the gate right so uh, i was like he doesn't automatically have problems because he's jewish no, that's anti-semitic like no come shit. on let's not put that out there he killed christ but other than that, <laughs> oh we're, all right we're blaming him for that I'm just, I'm just saying he's a christ killer and no <laughs> facetious it's a joke that's fair uh, yeah, I'm really <laughs> that. So if sorry, you're gonna, you're gonna sorry, you have to cancel her. So it's just how that goes. But um, my religion's all about how you killed my God. So <laughs> no, 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 leave leave the New Testament out of this, please. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is my God. You know that. You know that cat. I used to, I used to be Captain Atheist for a long time, for a very long time, mm. and I found Jesus, and I feel pretty good. I I found Jesus, but I only use it to guilt berate and demonize other people right as one should and that was a joke oh okay i couldn't tell because i mean you were beat as a baby dude and i thought that was a joke and it wasn't and no I'm, that was not a joke you have nightmares from that and i'm really sorry that that happened to you unforgivable you're, you're well you're, you know i'm sorry oh, too because i remember it vividly you know and you've heard it from every man who's ever virtue signaled to you but he's a piece of shit he's a piece of shit that guy's a fucker he's a piece of shit for sure I couldn't imagine that anytime and, and it comes up. I don't know why, but like I block people when I see someone post anything with um, animal abuse or child abuse, like people post stuff or like murder. I'm not really into seeing someone's head bl being blown off with a shotgun and I block people. God. I'm not into the seeing people burned alive. It's not for me. But when I see like infant, um, like abuse, man, uh, I black out. I black out. And uh, I, I fuck me, dude. Like I, it's you're, yeah, you're sorry, but your dad's a piece of shit for sure. And so that's a bummer, man. You know for sure. Fuck him. Fuck it's honestly like thank you, but um, it's I've like gone to therapy for a lot of different things, and but mostly I never told my therapist that because I didn't know that that happened until a year ago. So I never, my, my biological father's involvement in my life was very, very minimal. And when he was around, it was supervised. So it, he really didn't have a large impact on my life. Um, and it wasn't something that I really had a problem with because the few times that I did spend time with him, I saw how fucked up he was. 
So I kind of was like, I totally, I understood it. And the thing is my mom didn't even demonize him, even though she totally was in the right to, you know, she didn't, she had me keep his last name. You know, she didn't, she didn't have me like legally, I guess, disowned or taken away. She didn't even throw him in jail when he paid zero child support. Like she could have done, she could have really fucked with him. Do and you like hold that against her in some way? Which you No, right not at all. Not at all. Like, cause my mom totally did the right thing, period. Like she did everything as, as well as she could have given the circumstances. And honestly, like, flying colors on her part like she did everything she could and she did everything the right way really so yeah i don't have any resentment towards my mom about that at all if anything i'm just fucking so grateful that you know she did what she did i guess because i mean i don't think uh i mm -hmm. i know there's women that stay with guys that do that and that wasn't my story yeah man in a lot of ways you're very lucky you know it's kind of hard to say but no you are lucky for sure thank god but damn it man it's fucking nuts i wish it didn't have to happen that way man um but at least you're interesting because of it well that's yeah well you know if it wasn't the getting beat as a baby thing it would have been the fucking getting like just not not fitting in in kindergarten so oh don't even bring up kindergarten man i don't even i i hate like child abuse well, who doesn't so much, but even in movies, I'm watching something right now on HBO with Mark Ruffalo. Don't watch it trigger you, but, um, they show like these scenes where like these kids are having these awkward sort of elementary moments where they just don't fit in. Right. And maybe a kid has like bad hygiene or something. And I'm like, I want to die. Like I don't, even if it's acting, I don't want to see kids be sad because kids are assholes in elementary. That yeah, just, that was that was my entire yeah. elementary experience. It was just a nightmare every single day because they because they saw I was different, and and that was the end of it. Period. That was after the first week. They they could tell I was different something, and I couldn't tell because I was not paying attention of myself. I guess, but they saw it, and you know, kids are just like pack animals. I guess I don't know. I don't know. That sucks, man. Um, let's do a sharp right turn because uh, this is making me miserable. Yeah, I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> I'm so it's sorry. Not it's, not, it's not you, you know. Um, first of all, it takes fucking guts to even say that out loud. Like, I would have took that one to the grave. Me. Actually, no, I probably would have milked it and come out with, like, shirts. Um, <laughs> but just for, like, baby onesies, I probably would have milked it and capitalized off of it. Oh, my God. Um, I'm kidding. Uh... <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, but what are you working on, man? Um, you, well, you still, you still owe me a script. Yeah, I have it. And I'm still like staring at it every day and like hating myself because I thought I wrote this amazing story and I'm reading it now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, you fucking terrible, disgusting, talentless. That's, that's act. The one I want to see. No, but it's not good, dude. It's, it doesn't even make sense. Like that's I'm reading fair. it. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, that's how did fair. I? That's not fair. Quality is so subjective. You could have wrote Dazed and Confused and then gone three years without reading the script, read it, and be like, why did I write that? That's horseshit. You know? Well, but there's something pure there. 
that just came out of your stream of consciousness. That was what Kat was thinking at the time that you need to respect. And I would love to at least take a pass at it and, and check uh, it out. You're going to read. I can't show you it because it's so terrible. It's not. And it's really long, too. It's a really long, terrible script. Okay. What about the argument that sometimes the best scripts don't make the best movies and sometimes a good filmmaker can turn a weird script into something interesting. What about that argument? I agree with that. Okay. So let me, let me try it out. Okay, fine. 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 You got to send it to knives Monroe at gmail.com tonight. Fine. But I'm, but you cannot. Weirdly. I inter I interviewed on the show. There was Brent, there was Kendall, and you, all writers. That's really interesting. All screen, all have written screenplays, essentially. How weird. That's cool. But again, well, writers are the best people in my they opinion. They are. They really are. Please send it to me. Please send it to me. Fine, fine. I'll send it to you. Um, but other than that, I've just been doing, I'm like getting, I co I'm, I'm thinking about starting my comic thing again and drawing comics again. Because, Do you draw? Do you yeah, draw? Yes. Yes, I am an art. I I do art. I artiste. Fuck you, man. Can can you can you send something that you've drawn? Like, what's a cool thing? Like a person. Like, like a person. What is like, what is like a little cartoon human that you've drawn look like? I'm very curious. Oh well, honestly, my art style is kind of all over the place. Um, Love to see it. Okay, I really should like make a website or something with just all my shit on it, but don't you? No, because I don't really want people to know me. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird. It is weird. That's the trouble with me. It's like I love creating and I like connecting, but I also don't want you to know me and I hate connecting. You've said some pretty deeply personal things on this podcast. It's just the truth. That now people kind of know something about you that you didn't even share with your therapist. Well, I didn't know to share it. So I would have if I had known, but I didn't. I went to three therapy sessions and I had this nervous breakdown in 2014 and I, I remember going to her and I was like, cut the bullshit. Just tell me what I got to do. Just tell me what I got to do. Just get to the end. Just how do I fix this? And she gave me a printout of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I was like, oh, I had all this shit upside down. Okay, cool. And then on the second one, I came back and I was like, I'm better now. And she's like, eh, it doesn't work that way. And I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. She's like, eh, you should probably come to the next one. Came to the next one. And I was just like spazzing out. I'm like, dude, I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm, I, I figured it out. And she's like, this is a process. You know, like you might feel good now, but what about six weeks from now? And I was just like, fuck you. I feel good now. Left. And uh, I've just been repeating that doom cycle ever since. So she was kind of right. But the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I, I, I take that with me to this day. And um, I think she was right sort of about this self-actualization being the top of this sort of pyramid thing. And the fundamentals need to be there like, your hygiene, your job, your your food, your rent, like all that shit needs to be there. And then your passion. And I had it all backwards. I thought I could be, I thought I could shortcut, cheat, and like start with self-actualization. And then I'll work my way to a house or something. I thought it was going to work that way. It didn't. Um, that's all I really got out of it. And I couldn't imagine like people that go to, that go to these things like for three years or longer. Like, how do you do that? I don't know. Why'd you say? Well, well the, it costs a lot of money. Number one, yeah. that's the number one thing. Um, also, I learned how to kind of like 
give myself free therapy sessions because um, I learned how to basically have a conversation with myself. Same. I do the same. That's how I meditate. Yeah. Um, I don't do that when I'm meditating. When I meditate, I try not to think words at all, but I'll have conversations with myself and just talk it out with myself with how I'm feeling. And, and that's totally free. So that's what I've been doing to kind of figure out how I'm feeling when I'm feeling it, I guess. Question came in. Why don't you want people to know you? Oh, me? What? Yeah, because people are fucking awful. Like they're the worst. They really are. And, um, if they'll take it, it okay and i don't mean this across across the board like obviously there's good people that will be good no matter what because that's just how they are yeah. but in a lot of situations where i was nice and helped someone and went out of my way to do that that person always took advantage of it and threw me under the bus later yeah. so as i've gotten older it's really just all of my life experience has taught me that friendships are oftentimes a waste of time. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, it's hard because I like people. I think people are super interesting and I like connecting with people, but I also, I think I just straight up don't trust people most of the time. Um, and so I've kind of had to, negotiate with myself okay well why do you need to trust people like and it's just because i just don't want them to get me fired from my job or cause me some type of consequence that's going to make my life more difficult i guess um like for example and this might not be healthy maybe this is a therapy session right now but i don't trust women around my man period and it's not because of him it's because of them and him and he has a dick and they have motives that i cannot read i don't know these people you think you know someone you don't you don't can i ask you a question mm -hmm. i've never asked anybody this um let alone on a podcast live across periscope youtube facebook and twitch um, you could tell me to go fuck myself, but have you ever cheated on your boyfriend before? Not this boyfriend, but any boyfriend? I feel like I've probably maybe emotionally cheated, but I've never physically cheated. So you've never like slept with somebody else on the job? No, never. That's never. been like a line that I've been very careful never to cross. Okay. And never, whatever the gray in that area is like making out with or something like my line is kissing on the mouth and touching so like like sexual touching that's so that's that's never and anything beyond that is cheating yeah. as well so it's like like oh, yeah. a hug i don't think is cheating i think a kiss on the cheek is fine you know yeah. no totally but, yeah, but like anything more than that you know, like you linger too long <laughs> I mean, the reason why i ask is because someone that wants someone told me years ago this person later stole my girlfriend and she yeah it's funny how that worked out but um uh, not that she was my property or anything but you know what i mean um someone once told me that when you when you're a cheater that's or when you've cheated on somebody before that's usually where like a jealousy may come in 
because you've been guilty of this thing. And so you project that guilt onto your significant other because you've debased yourself before and you've gone through that shame cycle. And that's why people kind of have that spider sense of like, this person's going to cheat on me because I've cheated on them. Well, this battery has lasted me over two and two hours. Um, so, and then that person actually went on and did that. So I think they were right. And so you're, you don't trust women around your mind. Um, almost sounds a little irrational because he sounds like such a ray of sh a sunshine. Like I, I, he wouldn't, I don't think he would do that at all. You know? Oh, oh I don't know about that. Also, yeah, anything with a dick. He's, a, he's an autonomous, independent human that respects you, who brings you along his adventure. With, with a dick. Yeah, but you know, where's my book? I have it somewhere. I, did you ever uh, hear of the Scum Manifesto by Valerie Solanas? No. Oh my God, you would love it. But it's, it's this, um, the opposite of misogyny is misandry. Yeah, I know all of, believe me, oh, I know all about misandry. Oh yeah, man. I have a playlist on Spotify called Misandry Managed. You would love it. It's nothing but, <laughs> but female, it has like 800 tracks. That's my pride and joy. Um, anyways, well, she, it starts off, she says, every man deep down knows that he's a piece of shit. It's, it's a manifesto that starts off that way. Dude, it, that is just like If you're comfortable, truth. send me a P.O. box and I'll send it to you. Like, uh, uh, honestly, like you would trip the fuck out. It has a super obnoxious forward that's like really long, but the actual manifesto, you can probably find it online, but it's called the SCUM Manifesto. And SCUM is an acronym for the Society of Cutting up men or something like that and this lady in the 60s shot andy warhol like she was legit anyways and i'm writing like a book that's really heavily i mean this is like the bible this book to me uh the skull manifesto and so why am i bringing this up oh and so here's the thing as a man i'm a man i read this and it is like i've never i've read some manifestos in my day from killers murderers but I've never read anything with such a venomous, vitriolic, just like despise spite for men, for anybody. And it's truly interesting. And when I read this shit, there's some stuff that has an element of truth, has an element of truth. You know, she'll go as far to say like men are like these, these uh, like a man is a deformed woman you know, because of, of, of whatever his chromosomes are and every fetus starts off as a woman, you know, and it's like super gnarly, like this, this prose, right? And so I say this because not a lot of men, not a lot of men like truly listen to the other side. You know, the other day my wife said, men are trash. And she said it like at my son, you know, our son. And I was like, yeah, maybe not all, let's not tell our son that men are trash you know and then and then try to be equal or something like that's just weird and she retconned what she said and she understood what she was saying but you know we all say that we all say it and uh, having said that not every man would fuck every vagina that comes their way not every fucking man there are men that go down in the graves clean as a whistle your boyfriend could be one of them is what i'm trying to say hmm. So let me let me ask you a question. Yes, ma'am. So let's just say you you, you have a glass of water, okay? Yes, ma'am. I actually and have a glass of water right here. Fabulous. I'm not going um, to fuck it, but go on. <laughs> 
So you have a glass of water, and the scientist comes up to you and he says, oh, well, 99% of these water molecules won't kill you, but 1% will. Have fun drinking that water. You don't know which one it is. Mm -hmm. And if you're straight, you're drinking that fucking water. Yeah. So I don't know if that made sense. No, it does. And 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 here's the thing. Um, you know, we we do it every day. We do it every day. We're we're texting and driving. We do it every day. We we go and Uber. We do it every day when we drink water from the tap. I drink water from the tap. You know, and God knows it's not crystalline, perfect pH balanced water. And so we roll the dice every day. You know, um, any day I can get stabbed in the back, and any day some rando can get shot by a cop. Right. It can happen. We roll the dice every day where these strange sentient bacteria on this rock, you know, it's crazy that we, we even made it this far. I understand that, you know, but at the same time, you know, that's what intimacy is, right? That's the game. That's what survival is. If we want to get from A to B, we got to have that trade of, you know, I think I'm going to be able to cross the the bridge in time, right? So all that just to say, intimacy you have to you have to trust your significant other you have to you know I, i've told my wife I, I gotta swap a battery give me one sec but i'm still i'm still live everybody um i've told my wife if i ever got a crush on a lady and i liked her and it wasn't just something that i could lock up and you know say say it got weird and she liked me too i wouldn't cheat on claire i wouldn't cheat on her I'd be like, hey, I'm having these feelings. Like, w walk me off of this ledge, right? Like, what do I do? Like, how do I be a, how do I be okay? Like, you know, talk some sense into me. I have these feelings. I don't know what to do with them, you know. And say that's a deal breaker for her, and we split, and we go our separate ways. As much as it would hurt, you know, I I wouldn't cheat on her, you know, I would not. I can't. I can't do it. Like, this has to do with what I said earlier about, I ain't going to be my dad. I'm just not going to be my dad. That's my reason by and large, just because I know what it is. I know what a piece of shit looks like. And I would never want to stab my wife in the back in front of my kids, essentially, you know, that would, I would never do that to my daughter, you know, cause she looks up to me as like, I'm the shit in her eyes. I wouldn't want to fuck with that at all. Um, but I, I've had the, you know, how many people can really say that they have those conversations with their significant others? You know, and I say that because I would hope that Claire would extend the same courtesy to me. Don't fuck some dude on my couch. You know, don't stab me in the back. She, we, we've had uh, her male um, friends sleep over at our house, you know, and I've had, we've had my female friends come over and sleep at our house. And, you know, we, there's a trust there, you know, for sure. And I've been in relationships where my girlfriend was bugging. She didn't, and she was like, delete all your female contacts from your phone. What the fuck is that? That's the other end of the spectrum, you know? And so I just, you know, give, give your boyfriend a chance. You know, I bet, I bet he's a swell dude. And if he stabs you in the back, now, you know, and you can go better yourself without him, you know, good. Now, you know, yeah, I think it's not, more like I have, I have, I have solid boundary lines. And at, over the years, I've learned where those lines I, I'm comfortable with those lines. Yeah. And right now, I'm comfortable with those lines being the only people that get to meet my boyfriend are my family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow, that's deep, man. That's really deep. I haven't heard that perspective. And so I respect it. 
I respect it. What if it's like your um? Oh, you said your family. I was gonna say your cousins or something. Yeah, like cousins count. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, there's cousin fuckers out there, man. There be cousin fuckers out there. I I mean, I've seen I've seen Maury. I've seen Jerry Springer, but uh, I'm really comfortable with my family, and um, that's not really an issue for me. I got a buddy on here who's a friend of the podcast who says that trust. I think he's talking about me and Claire. Mm. He says, I don't think I've had that trust before. And I will say that like when I, I mean, maybe I'm lucky. I'm probably very lucky with Claire, but I also knew very early on that like I wasn't going to bullshit her. And so here's all my flaws. Here's what time it is. I'm putting my, I'm putting my, my life on the line here, putting it all here, you know? And, um, uh, it was like ripping my heart out, giving it to her and saying, you can stab it if you want, you know, just basically hurt me, hurt me, you know, that's, and it was mutual, you know? And so I got, I don't know, like I put it all on the line with her and you have to maintain that level of respect with one another. It's, it's a work in progress. We were watching some trash. I think it was like 90 day fiance or something. And we're seeing, are you familiar with 90 day fiance? Oh, Sure. Okay, so it's like Usman and, and his wife, right? And uh, they're fighting, and all they do is fight. And, every, and you know, what the hell's the other girl? I um, can't remember her name. But it was her and, like, that Australian life coach guy, right? And uh, all they did was fight. And I'm, I turn to Claire. We're watching this, very amused. And, you know, and I tell her, dude, we don't fight. Like, I know so many people that fight. And I've been in relationships where we would fight. And it was always my fault. But... I was like, man, we don't, why don't we fight? Are we normal? Like, should we be fighting? Cause it seems like everybody's doing that. And she's like, nah, you know, we bicker, we bicker enough every day that we don't maybe need to fight. Like we let it out, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess so. I guess I could see that, you know? Um, and I guess I'm lucky, you know, I, I, it ain't me. Look at me, <laughs> you know, God bless Claire's heart. She's got to put up with this bullshit. So it definitely ain't me whatsoever. Um, but I would encourage you to open your heart. You don't want to carry that. Can't be healthy. Well, I mean, I, it doesn't feel unhealthy. It just feels like a, a boundary that I've created because my life experience has shown me what I'm comfortable and not com like he can have his own feet. Like I like I'm comfortable with him being friends with girls uh, that he's known. Just I don't want to and i mean it's i don't know it's not like i'm a super social butterfly but it's just i think i like to keep it separate i like my life and then my life with him are like you know like two separate things like i just like i wouldn't want a bunch of girlfriends of mine coming over here getting wasted and then some stupid shit happening but you know i also don't really feel like those are the type of friends that i have but the thing is i don't even want to put myself in that situation where that could happen and that's why i create i guess the boundary there but at the same time like you know he watches porn like he'll he has friends from college or before me that he talks to that are girls that doesn't bother me. And that's where, that's where the trust is. The trust is that I trust that he on his own is trustworthy. Yeah. Um, just him yeah. and his life as opposed, you know, and that's why I'm saying any outside stuff, that's what I don't trust aside from just generally having a not trusting penises 
policy. I just don't trust a penis. Has that policy been in effect with all subsequent relationships or is it, did you, did that just get passed with the gentleman that you're with today? Um, you know, I've never really trusted dicks, but I've also never been invested in them enough to care about what a dick is doing, I guess is how I would say, until I started trying this whole serious relationship thing and trying to find a life partner thing. Um, and my last three relationships, that's what I've been doing is trying to find like a life partner because that's what I'd like. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, you know, it's hard because I don't really believe that long-term relationships work. Um, and then well, uh, something earlier, which I thought was once again, pretty fatalistic, but you're not wrong that the most successful marriages end in some, somebody dies first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's true. Or if you're super, if you're super lucky, you die together. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, sure. I wanted to die with my wife at the same time. Like you'll, you ever probably, see you'll probably die first. Set it off? Did you see that movie set it off with Queen Latifah? No, no. At the end, she dies like da, 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 Bonnie and Clyde style. They shoot her down. Me and Claire. Go, 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 go. I'm just kidding. I guess that's not funny, but <laughs> no, uh, I no, I don't know. Who knows? You know, I hope I die first and Claire gets rich and, you know, Fiona and the kid, you know, and Aiden are already adults and they don't need some other dude to come in to call daddy. Like, that's the only thing I don't I don't want my kids to call anybody else daddy for sure. Oh, you know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's going to be me. I told Claire, if we split up, you know, I feel bad because until Fiona turns 15, she's she's going to be six in a few weeks. So for the next 12 years, like none of Claire's relationships are going to work. Like I'll see sure of that, you know, until Fiona turns 18. But um, that's just our thing. Um, I'm really lucky. Like. And here's the thing, like you're, you're no dick policy. I have a lot of girlfriends. I love girlfriends. I love Wayman in general. Like, I remember growing up, and my aunt was the coach for like the female volleyball team and the female tennis team, and so on. And so I was like this latchkey kid. People would just dump me off, and my I would find myself going on these tennis trips or these volleyball or basketball trips. And I was the only boy on this bus with high school girls that were, you know, there was just one boy on this bus, high school girls, volleyball team, we'd go eat Whataburger or CeCe's pizza or something afterwards. And I would make friends with all these girls. And so like I had many girlfriends before I had any heterosexual, like boyfriends. And even still to this day, when I talk to guys, man, like you're always talking them off the misogyny cliff. Always. It's always like, fucking bitches man and their louis vuitton purses and it's always like always bad and i'm like damn it i can't believe this still exists and it's like when you hang out with white folk and they say the n-word everywhere right it's like damn y'all y'all really like this man um and i've always enjoyed female company you know and so the same things with claire like she has more guy friends than she does girlfriends but i've never felt like she can't I've 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 dated the extremists that are like call up every girl on your phone and tell them you're going to delete your number and I did it you know like a fucking idiot and that's whack man that's fucking whack to me you you ain't that extreme don't get me wrong but um 
I, I couldn't be with someone that was like, I don't want you alone with a girl. Like they're humans, they're people, they're fucking people, you know, not everything's I want to fuck them. And I got to say, like, I, I, I don't want to say I get off because that sounds bad, but there's nothing, there's nothing that like makes me feel good, more good than when I'm talking to a female and she knows I don't want to fuck her. She knows that I don't see her like that. I don't care. And I just see her as a human and I want to be your friend. And she knows that and she drops her guard and she's like, oh, fuck, this guy doesn't give a shit. That's a good feeling. Good feeling. Good feeling. I hope you know how rare that is, though. Uh-oh, I lost sound. You lost sound. Hold on one sec. Oh, I'm back. I'm back. You're back. If I touch this one chord, that shit happens. Um, no, I heard I heard what you said. It's it's rare. Um, maybe. I, I grew up with a single mom. Um, was passed around with my aunts and my grandma. So I grew up really lucky in that way, um, I guess. But it can't be the only way. It just can't be. It just fucking can't be. It can't be. It can't. I can't be. The, I'm not the one guy. No. No. For sure. But I love that feeling, man. Like, and I've. I've. I've can I tell? Can I tell you something? Just know that you're telling the world at the same time. Well, for me, the world doesn't give. Okay, I don't. The world. You have, world. You don't give a shit about me. You're gonna forget about me in five fucking seconds. Or texting me, dude. This relationship talk that you're having right now is gold. And I'm like, oh, now you're tuning in. So, Kat, you have people's attention. but All right. Well, I'm not worried about their attention, but I appreciate I it. Because um, I'm not important and I'm not special. Anyway, so what was I saying? I totally lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, yeah. I got, we were talking about dicks. Okay. So my experience, whenever I've dated a guy that has a brother, and maybe you can predict where I'm going with this. No, I can't. I oh. I hope you're not going where you're where I think you're gonna go. Okay, well I'll just go where I'm gonna go so you can know. Uh, I whenever I've dated a brother, the other brother has always tried to fuck me. Oh, that's not where I thought you were gonna go. Oh shit, dude, that fucking sucks. And I don't know if it's like a competition thing, or it's like a I I. I, that's the only thing I can think of. It's like a weird like rivalry between brothers. But whenever I've dated a brother where there's another brother and that other, they hang out a lot. There's always like that other brother is always trying to get with me. He's always trying to flirt with me. And it's either it's sometimes it's outright. Sometimes it's sometimes it's covert, but it always happens. So I don't know, like maybe my experience as a woman has just taught me different things than your experience as a man has. But my experience has taught me do not trust a dick because a dick will always say yes. In my experience, and I'm kind of like, let's be PC about this, Knives. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't want to use the shorthand that could offend people. I really don't. Um, you can't cancel me, um, but it's just I want to be cool about this. Uh, so I remember like, this is going to sound so stupid. Okay. I'm just going to say it. I remember being really young. Like I discovered masturbation at a very young age. Like I was too young. Like I was super fucking young and it, and I felt like I discovered it. Like I discovered, like I was like Joseph Campbell that discovered Mormonism, like, or something like I thought I created this thing and it really fucked me up as a kid. And you know, the stuff that was going on in pop culture at the time was very provocative, like too provocative for me. And it got me, 
I was just like very sexually explorative at a young age. And I couldn't imagine my kids like, oh my gosh. Like I haunt everything when I was a child. Like it was nuts. But also nobody was there. So, so <laughs> raise yourself. Um, and then I remember hearing some, maybe it was like a Howard Stern thing or something at a young age where this is disgusting. I, I don't even like saying this. Like it's gross. But it was like somebody like, and I'm not even going to name names, but like some celebrity said that she would never give a blowjob. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't either. That sounds fucking disgusting. Why would anybody do that? You know, but I also internalized that and was like, no woman would ever do that to me. That's gross. Right. And it just so happened that uh, I was an idiot as a child and as a young teen. And I thought, I thought, and I was going to lose my virginity. Like I was, I was going to be married. Right. I just thought that it wasn't a religious Aww. thing. I just didn't even know about like, I didn't even know you could have sex before marriage. Oh, and uh, but it wasn't some religious thing. Like I was an atheist as a child, and um, I my first girlfriend was so sexually advanced that she. I don't want to say forced me to fuck her, but I, I didn't I didn't give her consent, <laughs> and uh, that's rape. It is though, and it happened a few times, and uh, and I remember just thinking like, but this chick, but she's you know she's but she wants to do these things and I, I it's kind of like you hear women kind of tell these stories of like i couldn't really say no you know and and like i wanted to make him happy type thing and that was that relationship and i was with her for a long time and she really that's a bad first impression to have with somebody and i would take those neuroses on the next relationship and it turns out she was nuts too she just was actually nuts you take it to the next relationship and you know with, with claire when i met her sorry claire who she'll never hear this we're two and a half hours in but she was so gorgeous the day i met her she came from back from a wedding and uh i'm sitting in her room and i it didn't even occur to me to like take advantage of her i just thought we were friends and you know one one thing leads to another and we're having fun right like adult fun but I, it, it never occurred to me to like take advantage of her, right? Um, and so I've had this whole life where women kind of throw themselves at me. They're the aggressors. Not, it's not because I'm special. It's definitely not. It's not because I'm special at all. Um, but I, I think maybe, maybe it's a culture thing where I came from where like women were kind of like, the fuck, bro, right? We live in a culture where, where men are like, you're a pussy if you didn't fuck this woman, right? Um, like I'll get some male heat for this, but... There's a girl I liked, and uh, my brother had sex with her. And I was like, ew, like, I, I don't want to even, I, I can't see her that way now because she had sex with her. I'm not going to have sex with the same girl that my brother did. It's fucking gross. That's gross. Like, I don't want any human to live with that, you know? Um, and it just seems like it's a real, this is an isolating perspective as a man. It's not very common. And there's not a platform, even though I'm using a platform, there's not a platform for men to talk about this and be like, what is this? Because masculinity is a fucking prison. You know, it's a mask that we all wear and we're all tough guys. And we all got big dicks, even though we all don't got big dicks. And I guess I'm bringing this up because sexuality is a spectrum, man. It's really easy just to write off men for being men. It really, really is, you know. And But from my experience, women... Women, women, I can say women are the crazy ones. I'm not going to say that, but they're, 
they're aggressors too, you know, and they want what they want and they want to experiment. They want to do things. And, you know, the first three girls I, I was with at a very young age all wanted to be choked and like hit. Where the fuck does this come from? You know, finally I meet someone who doesn't want that. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's not normal. That's not supposed to be normal. Not kink shaming, but you know, it's a weird first impression. I had to unlearn a lot of things. And luckily Claire and I were very compatible, like intimately. And I knew we were going to work because we could, we could do our thing in perpetuity. Just knew it was going to work. Um, but fuck, man, like that's a, we don't, and I try to talk about this with my son who's 14, but he's still super innocent. You know, like he's really innocent. It's strange. I was fucked up at that age already, 14. I was a deviant at that age. Like as parents, we got to have the hard conversations with these kids to like kind of break this cycle to be like, like kind of like a sex positivity thing, you know? And I think part of sex positivity is the confidence and like trusting our significant others with the opposite sex. I think that's part of it. I, I really do. I have to defend that. That's my hill to die on tonight, Kat. Ah. Uh, okay. It's not that I don't trust men. I just don't trust the penis. I don't trust what the penis does to the man. You know what I mean? Like I don't trust oh, its influence. Testosterone, man. It uh, it warps perception. It does. It does. It does, man. But I truly believe that love and respect for your significant other it overrides the penis. It does. Well, I I and I also want to. I don't want anyone to think that I don't respect men. I I love men. I think men are the best. Honestly, like. That's why I've exclusively dated guys um, in serious relationships. So, okay. yeah, I don't know. I like I like men, but I also just don't trust penis. And I think that's a fair, fair thing for me. That works for me. I'm not yes. saying everyone needs to be that way, but that's what I'm comfortable with. I don't I don't trust a dick. I probably won't. I'm open to the idea that dicks are to be trusted, but I think they're inherently untrustworthy so yeah. you know what you should do your best to avoid pain as much as possible whether if that comes from some dumbass brother trying to take advantage of you or you know a woman trying to take advantage of your man as you call him um very cave woman um yeah i know you should try your best to avoid pain and these pitfalls and hurt and it'll just further validate your biases you know so you can, yeah if my daughter was like I'm, i don't trust anybody i'd be like okay yeah that's cool maybe you shouldn't yeah i don't know i like i, I feel like every conversation i have about anything always turns negative i'm really not a negative person i don't think i think i just uh sound like it no no maybe i maybe the feedback i'm giving you is i'm just taking things that you're saying quite literally you know that's all it is I don't think you get to have your attitude and have your outlook on life, which is actually generally positive because it moves you forward. I don't think you can have that if you weren't a positive person. So mm. don't, don't trip, dog. You're okay. No, tripping. Oh don't my trip. God, I'm tripping. Don't trip, man. This means a lot to me that you came on the podcast. It's no big deal. I was it was just... a happy accident, but to me it means a lot because I've always admired your work. I still do. It's weird because how we met was weird. 
It would have. We never would have met otherwise. I wouldn't have reached out. It's, yeah. Well. You know, but it's cool. I mean, not that that's cool, but I'm I'm happy that that you're someone that even like watches my YouTube or some weird shit. Like that's a dream. Well, I subscribe to your channel. That's so cool. I'm gonna cut that sound bike and play it on loop. <laughs> Cause that's cool. I'm doing something right. I gotta be doing yeah. something right. Are people? How many people are watching your, your live stream right now? Did right you? now, just seven. Oh, that's not so bad. Hey, seven people. What's up? I mean, we're we're two hours and forty minutes in. Like, why? How the fuck? Why would anybody? Howdy doody. Howdy doody. Over there on the east coast, it's like, oh my gosh, almost two a.m. Is it? Oh my God, you're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, we're doing this at a weird time. My Sven, my my friend Sven, is saying what's up. And Sven, I do have to say that I, I gotta shame you. You gotta make a movie. What the fuck you doing? You got a got a master's degree from Full Sail. What the fuck you doing, man? Make a movie. Yeah, Sven, the fuck. Yeah, it's Sven. What the fuck, man? The fuck. Maximize your privilege. You have all the. You have everything at your disposal. It's never been easier to make a movie. Make a fucking movie. If I can do fucking it. Fucking Sven. Thank you. You heard it. From that. <laughs> You heard it from Kat, which no, I'm not going to say that. But Kat, you're super cool. You're a super right. cool guy, and I Thanks. and I love I love ya. I Thanks. Love ya. Um, Thanks. I'm gonna let you go because it's 2 a.m. on the east side. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on here for a little longer and spaz out, and uh, I'm celebrating. You know. You got anyone else coming up? Uh, on if the... anyone wants to come up, let me know. But no, I don't have anyone. I don't have anyone coming up right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's always fun to talk to you. You're super cool, man. Hey, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. You know, um, if I could rap, fuck, I would. I would rap on all your beats. But that I, would be nice because I can't. I try. I can, I try to collaborate with people on music, and musicians musicians are just so unreliable, and they flake and they bail, and then you, they post. Could you write my bars. Could I write your bars? Yeah. Could you write my bars? Like I could probably perform it if you write it, but I can't. Uh. Write it. God, I mean, like, do all the time. dude, I don't know. I have a very specific perspective. Like, I don't know if I could switch to the male gaze. Like, oh, okay. I don't know if that would come off as genuine. Like I can, I can write poems, but even I, I don't feel like, I feel like my poems, you read them and you could tell it's a woman saying this stuff. I don't, may, I don't know. Maybe it'd be fine. Hmm. I don't know. But it's really hard to rap, though. Knowing, it's hard. Knowing you, you'll probably be pretty good at it. Well, thanks. That's nice yeah. of you to say. Just saying. I think it's true. Yeah. But, I mean, I, when you asked me, you're like, can you, do you think you could? I'm like, dude, no. Fuck, I wish I could. It just made me feel, like, really small. No, you you have a good voice. That's why I asked you. I was like, you know, if you have, like, a. People say that, and, and and that's cool. Like, I've heard that a few times, but I don't agree with it. Okay, how, how about this? I'm going to type a sentence up real quick, and I want you to just try to wrap it into the mics just so you can hear and I can hear what it sounds like, okay? I'm not going to do it. Yes, I'm going to I'm gonna. You're, yes, you're going to do it. You're going to uh, it's going to be so easy and so simple and there's no universe where you say no to this. Got it. Okay. Let's see what she's got. Okay, hold on. Are you copying and pasting or are you writing? Something? No, I'm coming up with something right now. It's going to be really simple though, so don't expect anything mind-blowing. Cat is a genius, man. I can't do that. Fuck. Putting me on the spot and shit. Let me get a beat. Put, yeah, put out a beat or something. I'll put on a beat. 
Okay, this is super simple. What the shit is this? Is this like a song? <laughs> where, where are you writing it? I wrote it on the private chat thing. Oh, la dee da. Oh, I can do this. I hate myself already. I'm not going to do this. Do it. I can't do it. Can't, can't do it. You put the music on. You can't back out now. Uh, what? This is not the way I would rap if you sent me something. Just speak it into the mic. <laughs> okay, hold on. You want me to go first? I rap and I write and I kill on the mic and I try all the time to do something. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, so I would do it. Wow. That was good. That and worked. I, that I worked. rap and I write and I kill on the mic and I try to do something, to do something. Oh, I lost my line. Hold on. All the time to do something. That's fine. Yeah, there you go. I think I did better than you. So. Oh, I really? Have, I couldn't have done that bad. Do it one more time. No, 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 no. There's no two takes. We don't do two takes. No, no, no. You got one take. Fuck. Got one. All right. You well, good, good for you proved. for doing it. I think I proved that if you write some bars, I think I can do it. Well, that, I don't know, though. I'm not really a ghostwriter. You know what? I just got, I got confidence now. Yay. Yeah. I think I could pull it off. You could do it. And I don't have a musical bone in my body. You could just speak it on the mic. I like, was in band, and then my band instructor strangled me in front of everybody, and I was like, nah, band's not for me. God, this is like trauma hour with, like, knives and cat. I did nothing <laughs> to provoke him. It was weird. <laughs> it was weird. My dad strangled me once because I called him an asshole. What a fucking cocksucking piece of shit. This was my stepdad, though, not my real dad. What? Wait, wait, what did he do? I called him an asshole. <laughs> And he was like, what did you call me? And it was the first time I'd ever sworn at him. Yeah. Did he pinch you or what did he do? No, he fucking strangled me with his <gasps> fists like Bart Simpson. No. no, not fucking cool, man. I don't know. No, I pinched my daughter. Like I, I've spanked her once where like I spanked her, but you know, she was being a little shit and I feel bad, you know, I feel bad, but. Like it works, you know. Who needs physical abuse when you have psychological abuse? No, I don't want to. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that with my. You kids. stand in that corner and you face that wall and you think about what you did, young man. Yeah. You think about it. No. I didn't get any. I didn't get any. Um, what do you call it? Um, structure or like anything from anybody growing up. Like I had no authority figures. My mom I had was, like, like 20 authority figures. It was my bud. Me and my mom were buds. That's you know? nice. Yeah. But uh, Kat, I love you, man. I'm going to kick you off because you have a life and I respect your time. And hang in there and you're going to make the most out of Ho Hoboken. You're going to be the queen of Hoboken in six months. Oh, my God. I want to collab with you on something, anything, like just because um, like you're like this big, bright, shining light of art. And anything I can do. Just to be around you, just, I just want to be famous. That's why. Ah, well, yeah. at least you're honest. I am honest. And so keep being awesome, and I'll talk to you soon, man. I'm always here if you need anything. Okay. Take care, bud. Bye. Bye.
That was my friend Kat. Sven, am I on Discord? I use Discord. Yeah, I use Discord, but I'm on this. I love how you can't tell what I'm doing. I'm on this website called StreamYard. And if I send somebody a URL, they can join me on the chat. You're more than welcome to, bud. I'd love to have you on. So if you want to be on, let's do something, man. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I'm going to stick around for another 10 minutes and see what's up. Um, there's nothing I don't like when if you're watching a stream and people are quiet. And they're and they're reading the comments like, <laughs> yeah, that awkward shit. I hate that, man. I hate that. So I kind of feel like I always got to be overcompensating and always got to be on. But I'm almost at one a.m. my time, and I gotta respect people, you know. So this is really cool. Streamyard is a is a wonderful place. I, I'm paying for the premium, and it lets me share on four and five, five destinations. So right now you might be watching this on Facebook. You might be watching this on YouTube, which is where Kat was watching it. You might be watching this on Periscope, which is where Brent, my first guest, is watching this. You might be watching this on Twitch. And look, I don't go on Twitch, so this might be my first live stream over there. Um, but I know it's popping. I know it should be popping over there. So yeah, man. So that's, that's where I'm at. Um, I did not expect to have three guests. It made me really happy. I did not expect to talk to Kat. That made me super happy, man. Um, I might actually, I never go back and listen to my podcast. I might go back and listen to that one because we were crazy honest. Like, gosh, I, I, I have so much respect for her and I love her. And I've been a, I've been a purveyor of her art um, peripherally. And also, I didn't even know that she was like the singer of the shakes, you know, until I started talking to her. So it's just crazy. And I, I'm going to have those songs like ripped in case they tried to delete it from the internet. Uh, her Tumblr is awesome. Her TikToks are great. There's literally nothing she can't do. She writes poetry. She writes scripts. She writes music. She's one of those, you know, like she's one of them Bo Burnham, Donald Glover types. And, I just want to be one of those. And I don't think I have those skills to do that. You know, there's one thing that I can do. I guess it's the podcast. Like I take pictures, I take video, I edit, make movies and make documentaries, I do corporate stuff. I do headshots. It's all repetitive. It's all redundant, but you know, you can spend eight, eight grand on a movie, which I've done and maybe 200 people see it. And they're like, eh, you don't really make your money back. Or you can make a podcast ostensibly for free and people write you back essays of like, dude, this podcast was really open, you know, or I like this, or could I be a guest? Or like, I'm thinking about starting a podcast or what you said here really stuck with me three years later, they're coming back and it's like, damn, man, like I've never gotten feedback the way I've gotten feedback on this podcast. Like that's a blessing, man. Like I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the feedback that I was getting. You know, so my friend Guillen is still here. I don't know why you're listening to me, man. You got better shit to do. If you want to hop on, let's hop on. But good convos there for sure. I'm just super lucky, man. Um, I was going to spaz out for three hours and wing it and just and just talk. And um, I have some things that people wanted to talk about. And so let's go through these things right quick. Um, and I think that's might be the coolest way to close this out. So let me go to these questions that people posted for me that was really, really cool and um, made me happy, man, because I've been doing this for a long time. And three years, 
gosh, no, four years. Going on four years. This August will be four years. So I haven't really, I'm not the most consistent person. I rarely do anything for more than six weeks at a time. So it's kind of a miracle that I made it to the 100th. I wasn't going to celebrate it until friend of the current fr friend of the show, Brian Kern was like, dude, you got to do something. You got to do something for your 100. He's like, it would be a missed opportunity. I said, okay, took him seriously. So here we are. And he was right, man. Like I wouldn't have talked to Brent. wouldn't have talked to Kendall or, or uh, Kat. So um, Jesse Nord wanted me to do a deep dive on Tarantino. Here's the thing. Been there, done that. Um, I haven't done it. I haven't been there, but you can find those deep dives on Tarantino. And it's weird. Like, He's one of my favorite filmmakers, but I hate talking about him because there's really nothing more you can add to that conversation. He's a genius. You can find his sources where he gets his inspiration from. It's all there. I read the Django Unchained script before the movie came out because it was leaked and I wanted to see. It was kind of like this experiment. Like, let's see how he brings these words onto real life. And that was like the greatest lesson that I learned from Tarantino. But as far as doing a deep dive, like what can I say? He made Kill Bill. I rented it on VHS when I was 16, and that's why I'm a filmmaker. I, there's really nothing more to say. Ruben Hernandez says, what's the role of films and TV as it currently is? And what will and should it be in society down the line? I think movie theaters will never go anywhere. There'll always be a pastime. And quite frankly, the more digital we get, the more celluloid is important, the more 35 or 16 millimeter film is going to be important, right? And even if the a solar flare kills the internet and we can no longer live in a digital electronic society, you can always show a 35 millimeter print through a projector. It's very analog and movies will always exist and the theater will always exist, right? Look at MMA, look at professional wrestling, look at sports. They're done in these like, you know, Rome type domes, right? Very stadium quality to, to live sports. So people like to congregate together and have a mutually shared experience that's sensory or otherwise. So I don't think as far as the future of, uh, of film and like the role of TV, I do think that um, hopefully there's more inclusivity that happens and we get more perspectives from female directors and different ethnicities. And like, I think we've been getting really good black perspective movies and the past five years probably more than we ever have whether if you're boots riley or spike lee or i forgot the director who did blind spotting very good movie i just got turned on by all these black voices are emerging and it's a wonderful time barry jenkins right who did moonlight who got validated on a public scale with Moonlight. I think this shit matters. So hopefully the future is more diverse, but I don't see film going anywhere. I called it in 2012 that television was going to be like the new place for auteurs to tell long form storytelling in a way that it was going to blur the lines of what's considered cinema. Um, and I think we'll be seeing directors like a Tarantino and big directors move to television and try to dominate that domain because that's the place that fresh voices and unique stories and and just like auteur theory filmmaking is happening. Whereas Disney and, you know, what's another one? Um, Amazon, like the people that are buying the real estate of film is completely monopolized, right? So we're going to be seeing more Disney bullshits. And unfortunately, like it's less opportunity for indie filmmakers like me 
and others, right? So that's that's the good news. That's where I see that, and hopefully I answered your question. Um, talk about 100 years of cinema. Holy smoke. So I want to say the 100-year mark was in 2001 or 2000. I'm not sure. Maybe 99. So it's been about 120 years. Um, gosh, in a way, like it's still in its infancy, you know? Um, I can't believe you actually want, to talk, want me to talk about the 100 years of cinema, but... You know, what What were some quantum leaps? Um, digital filmmaking pioneered by the Dogma 95 guys, and I'd say George Lucas. Digital filmmaking, huge. Talkies, introducing sound, huge. Um, and I would say maybe not much has changed since. It's arguable, like, what the greatest performances on film are, Heath Ledger does deserve to be in that conversation. Um, maybe Daniel Day-Lewis. There's some great performances, but I kind of feel personally that maybe we've seen the best that actors have. I know that sucks, right? Other, like the new crop of actors, I guess I just don't believe in this new crop. I'll be honest. I don't believe in them. And actors are the reason why I go to the movies. Actors are the reason why I pay. I, I love movies because of the actors. I like seeing people's faces. Um, if that's not there, I ain't buying, right? So more interesting actors risking new things. Not just like, don't just put Dave Batista in a fucking costume. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see more things like Joker, quite frankly. Like actors really bearing themselves and doing weird things. Um, I really liked what, and it just stands out to me. I really liked what, um, um, what's her name? Rooney Mara, what she did in girl, with the dragon tattoo. Whoa. Like I want to see crazy performances. Like that is really what gets me going. So, um, in the 100 years of cinema, maybe we've hit a plateau. I like what Chris Nolan is doing. He's really one of the, the last flag carrying film guys. I love him for that. Let's see. Um, are writers still filmmakers? Wes Jordan asks. Yes. Well, how, how, how couldn't they be? R filmmaking is a collaborative medium. So if you're an editor, you're a filmmaker. If you're a sound guy, you're a filmmaker. If you're the gaffer, best boy, best boy at best, you're a filmmaker. You know, And it's the same thing with writing. Um, it's not just the director. There's my favorite part. I always sit through the credits anytime I go to the theater. And I remember when we sat through the, was it the end game credits? That shit never fucking ended, man. But at the end, it was like, this movie employed 4,000 jobs. Whoa. All those fuckers, even the PAs, filmmakers. Don't make no mistake about it. Jan Kalina says, what is your love of film, the state of art and film today, and how it will change in the current situation of the world and the U.S.? I'll, tack I'll tackle the last part. Um, it's, it's never been in my lifetime a more divisive time to be an American right now. It's, it's very strange. Like, I can't participate in this um, libtard, snowflake, Antifa, this, that, and the third. Like, I can't participate in that, man. Like, it is not, it's not my bag. Like, I, I, I don't enjoy it. Um, I don't identify as either liberal or aggressive or conservative like i said this earlier at the top of show uh, at the top of the show i'm an artist and so it's my job to like really absorb all the sides and refract that refract that through my prism 
and whatever that smoke and mirrors illusion shit expressionist stuff that you get that's what i am my art will define me it's not going to be my opinions the more and more like the riots and the protesting peaceful and you know situation with the cops the more and more this you know happens the more i feel like opinions matter less and less i want to see the facts i want to see the structures the infrastructure i want to see um the laws and i want to see things change for the better and we have to reevaluate these institutions we have to reevaluate these structures and systems and that's the only way through generations this shit this shit will change long term i care less and less about your opinion having said that i got into a big fight that wasn't even that big but it was dramatic um in regards to the dave Chappelle comedy special that came out there was a few punchlines as he as he said and um, I sent it to somebody, and um, they really didn't want to have that conversation, right? So Dave Chappelle is a person whose opinion does matter, and he, I think he uses facts and then presents it through his prism, right? And uh, I appreciate his voice, and so now's the time for voices to speak louder than ever, for sure, especially the voice of the artist. Um, I don't really want to make declarative statements and opinions about what's going on because quite frankly, I'm a fact-based guy. I want to watch all the stuff that's happening. I want to evaluate it, consider it deeply and um, chew on it and make an informed decision about it that can hopefully make a difference, whether if it's me by vote or, or what have you, or me having a conversation with another human. I think, discourse has never been more vital but i found when people burrow themselves in these ideologies and in these ideals and they're inoculated by their brand the blue or the red brand whichever it is i think when you're burrowed in that you really shut yourself off from having discourse i think that's toxic and i've been finding that more and more personally in my family and and on the internet and uh gosh i would love to just participate in a discourse you know i think that we need to hold on to the first amendment for a reason and uh those are my questions you know and uh, there's another one about the willy wonka movie and it's like i don't have anything to say about that <laughs> that was a funny question but i'm at the three hour mark this is the longest podcast i've ever done this is episode 100 what does episode 500 look like that's been a mantra I've been after it for a long time. I wanted to have my friend Nutty Batuski on. Um, hopefully, I talk to him tomorrow. That'd be great. I have a new podcast coming out with my buddy, Rob Garza, who will be on the podcast tomorrow. So be on the lookout for that. He's an interesting guy. And what we're going to talk about, <laughs> you're going to enjoy. And you might learn something because we've never talked about this before. And he's actually an expert in something very weird. And um, something I've never, I, I know nothing about. So that's going to be an interesting conversation, I promise. And we go way back. This guy was like one of my first friends when I was 12 years old. So love him. Our relationship has been strained throughout the years. But he's still here and he's still stuck around. And he still has forg he's forgiven me for bullying him and for being an asshole throughout our adolescence. And, um, and in a lot of ways, I've forgiven him for being an asshole as well. And so 
I, I don't think if I wasn't a Christian, I would have ever reached that level of uh, maturity with him, but I'm glad we did. And I thank God for that. Um, looks like I might have another question here from William Glenn Russell. What's up, buddy? Um, love you, man. And uh, thanks for um, reaching out for this podcast. I'm super lucky. I'm super blessed. People stuck it out here. And uh, I'm glad I did this, man. Um, I've been talking a lot. And I could have kept going. And I love what I do. And don't let me stop doing this, please. I, I'm hot and then I'm cold. I'm good and then I'm not. Don't let me stop doing this, please. I don't want to stop doing this. I, I love it too much. It's too rewarding. There's too much upside. I don't care about making money off of this. I don't care about what this does for my brand. I've never given a shit about that. I don't fuck with that life. I, like, I just want to have fun. And I want to change the way people see themselves for the better. That's my purpose. That's my passion in life. I'm a starter, you know. Um, I'm an activator. That's what I do. And that's all I can do. And that's what I will continue to do. And thank you so much for being on this journey with me. It means the world to me. You don't even know. I'm so lucky. I'm so grateful. I'm going to continue to maximize my privilege because I was blessed with the gift of gab to come on this microphone and talk shit. And that's what I do. And I'm one of the lucky ones. So make no mistake about it. You haven't seen the last from me. I love you guys. Keep a force filled around your heart. And I'll see you down the road. Love you.